the exception of Eddie and myself, we already know, we're going to be using aliases on this job. Under no circumstances do I want any one of you to relate to each other by your Christian names. And I don't want any talk about yourself personally. That includes where you've been, your wife's name, where you might have done time, or a bank maybe arrived in, say, Petersburg. What I want you guys to talk about, if you have to, is what you're going to do. That should do it. Hear your names. Mr. Brown, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Orange, and Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Because you're a f***ing it, all right? <laughs> Why can't we pick our own colors? No way, no way. Tried it once and doesn't work. You get four guys all fighting over who's going to be Mr. Black. But they don't know each other, so nobody wants to back down. No way. I pick. You're Mr. Pink. Be thankful you're not Mr. Yellow. Yeah, yeah but Mr. Brown, that's a little too close to Mr. Shit. Well, Mr. Pink sounds like Mr. Pussy. How about if I'm Mr. Purple? I mean, that sounds good to me. I'll, I'll be Mr. Purple. You're not Mr. Purple. Some guy in some other job is Mr. Purple. You're Mr. Pink. Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool-sounding name. All right, look, if it's no big deal to be Mr. Pink, you want to trade? Hey, nobody's trading with anybody. This ain't a goddamn f city council meeting, you know. Now listen up, Mr. Pink. There's two ways you can go on this job. My way or the highway. Now what's it gonna be, Mr. Pink? Jesus Christ, Joe. Forget about it. It's beneath me, you know. I'm Mr. Pink. Let's move on. I'll move on when I feel like it. You always got, got the goddamn message. So goddamn it, Howard, you guys can hardly talk. Let's go to work. everyone welcome back to uh gundam at mhq this is one of your hosts neo and joining me always is soul bro and chris guys say hello what's up gang yo man chris you sound awful dog days of summer got you down <laughs> damn kids or or is it or or because we're about two months outside of halloween are you practicing for a little dennis cosplay possibly real, <laughs> real journalism <laughs> And culture. Well, you mentioned Dennis. There'll, there'll be some Dennis later on in Ooh. the segment. What? Oh, All right. Oh. Cool. Man, Den- Dennis. I didn't. I didn't. I did not get that inner office memo that ah. Dennis may be showing up. <laughs> He's here now. Is that is that before? Or after? Being detained by security. Oh, sweet. <laughs> He's at customs. <laughs> he's, he's being detained for trying to crash a Donald Trump press conference. <laughs> 
I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know Dennis was Latin. <laughs> On his mother's side. There you go. So, um, well, yes. Thank you, guys. And uh, this is episode one sixty-eight of Gundam and MHQ. And in this episode, wow, we're going to be going back to a review of a non-Gundam or Macross show. Yes, we're going to be doing a, a, a mecha show that come out recently, probably within the last two years, a year and a half or so, and uh, currently streaming on uh, Netflix. And I think it was one of their first offerings of anime specifically endorsed by Netflix. I guess that might be a way of doing it. I'm sure uh, Chris is going to kind of clear this up for us a little bit later. But um, And that's going to be seasons one and two of Knights of Sidonia. So you're going to be, you know, some of our highlights, lowlights, ratings, what we, you know, overall expectations and, uh, you know, overall impressions. So, uh, guys, anything as I saunter over to the Lord Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king. You are the king. For some news, listeners submitted news. No, I'm good, man. Let's do it. All right. So uh, I'm s- sitting in the. Uh, oh man, it's it's warm in the news studio. It's very hot today. So uh, <laughs> hopefully the news won't be too long. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So if you ever have any news, you can always post it to the Neos Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. Oh, and the first one here, and he regained the crown. He regained the crown. That Noir is our first poster of, of episode 168's uh, uh, news, and yes, the evil Australian, the most evil of all the Australians, Vent Noir. Uh, he's got a link here, and uh, we're not going to go into much, but I had seen this a couple days ago. I'm sure Solbro and Chris have seen it, but there's a link for the uh, the HGBF Super Famina. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, uh, it was the display at the Charles a hobby 2015 so uh it's uh, a little, little disturbing but yeah you know hey you know so thank you mr vent noir for your submission oh the next one here man it's it, it's getting close and and all these news all these news articles are always going to be uh dedicated to the general because it's one of his favorite subjects but this is coming from ma cloud and this is talking about oh man that new mobile suit gundam show iron-blooded orphans there's a there's a new preview that's been released on YouTube, and mm. they've announced a release date of October the fourth, oh, yeah. uh, 2015. So um, yes, guys, excited? Yeah, the, the video breakdown was pretty good too. Uh, it finally gave us some insight on the characters and uh, and pretty much who they're attached to and and what they what purpose they serve in the show. So including your man, oh your biscuit Griffin, man. Yeah, yeah biscuit Griffin, he's your boy. The you legend, the legend, already the legend, out the gate with the greatest <laughs> the name, legend of the crunchy biscuit. Yo, but we can't not deny. We can't deny Ride Mass. <laughs> Probably the hardest name in the whole crew. Now I'm wondering, Solbro, um, mm-hmm. at, at the completion of Iron Blooded Orphans, mm-hmm. I can see a, uh, a a an AMV in in the vein of maybe the Bernie's Lament, maybe old oh, Jesus Christ, Hot, Hot Blooded Orphans, or. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I mean, is is that a is that possible? I right, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see. You could you could call it Young Dead Boys. Oh, oh Jesus! Keep <laughs> the theme since most of us are probably gonna die. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to make at least a bump for it. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, no, you know what you should do is you should uh, you should make an AMV that uh, is Iron Blooded Orphans mashed up with uh, Dugram. Oh. <laughs> And and with like auto tuned 
Not even justice. Not even <laughs> justice. Get you to want to get to root. <laughs> Yeah, might, might as well just start uh, overdubbing. liberally. <laughs> Do it, from as uh, a certain uh, actor from Transformers would say. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll Do be- it! I'll become Skrillex. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. And then, but, the, uh, and then do the dubstep remix. <laughs> <laughs> become, become that hot track that everybody plays in the clubs, yes. <laughs> Put it, put it with that horn too. You gotta, you always gotta add that horn, especially if you're releasing it during the summer. You know, <laughs> I don't care what it is. That horn is so dumb, but every time I hear it, it makes me smile. It's hype as hell, dude. <laughs> you know, especially like so, you're going home on like a Friday afternoon. Like uh, a couple of the stations here, they'll just you, you hear and they're like, "It's Friday, five o'clock." <laughs> And they'll have like a D, you know, they'll have the DJs playing in the in the studio, and they'll just run that horn every like minute or so. And you're just like, oh yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's all right. Yo, was it air raid? Talks <laughs> <laughs> about five, six years old, but it's okay, you know. So, but uh, thank you, Mister Ma Cloud, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Gundam Type Zero, and he's got a link to the Anime News Network. And I'm wondering, would you be able to do your best armoro and take out twelve domes? Now that they're in chocolate tofu form. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. How, how would you like that? I mean, I like yeah, those odds. <laughs> you like those odds, huh? Yeah. There's a, uh, uh, from Saga Myai Foods, a tofu producer. They've, they've, they've talked about a tofu war that's been going on for many years from space, earth, and extraterrestrial colonies. And it looks like, ooh, they, they took the three black tri stars and made them into cute, adorable little dome tofu so uh um, yeah they're 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 delicious cause diabetes and they you know is that <laughs> diabetes stream attack is that what happened there you go <laughs> that's how i go out <laughs> god how bad would that be huh? oh it'd be the worst so thank you mr gundam type zero for your submission oh the next one here comes from vent noir and he's got a link to Crunchyroll, and it looks like Pat Labor Tokyo War is going to be screened at the Montreal World Film Festival. Why do those Canadians get it and we don't? What's going on here? And uh, it's it's Canada's oldest international film festival held. Ooh, wow, started today, August twenty seventh. It's going to be going till September seventh, and uh, looks like uh, Pat Labor Tokyo War is going to be screened uh, this weekend, the twenty ninth and thirtieth. But it'll actually be when you finally hear this. <laughs> It had already happened. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a 93-minute theatrical edition. It was released in Japan in May. And it looks like it, it says here it terribly bombed at the box office. So, yeah, well, you know, mm-hmm. things happen. Uh, the director's cut edition, which is more faithful to the original concept, is scheduled to be released in Japan on October 10th with 27-minute footage deleted from the theatrical version. So, um I guess they're doing a lot of chippity chopping on this one. So thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. And it looks like that's all we got right there for regular news. And oh man, I'm really excited about this, Solbro. I do have a, a bump done for this because we haven't had this in a while, but we have William Shatner News Alert. Oh, yes. Kirk, I, so, I uh, have been waiting. <laughs> yes. So go ahead. And hit it now. Let's go. Hey! Look at me. Sure. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. 
because this is from Rodimus76, and it's from the Den of Geek website, and looks like um, uh, the Admiral, Admiral Kirk, is going to be, he's, he's, he's part of a documentary that goes behind the scenes on the early tumultuous years of Star Trek The Next Generation. Hell so, yeah. Yeah, I guess he's going to be talking, they'll be talking about the... His first couple of years, maybe I don't know. Maybe he'll ask why men were wearing dresses in that first season. Uh, well, I got good news for you. The documentary is actually out there now. Um, I sat and watched it the other day. I think what's it called? That Chaos on the Bridge, Chris? Something, uh, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Chaos. It's called Chaos on the Bridge. Yes, mm-hmm. it's 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 an Chaos hour. on the the Bridge. bridge. <laughs> yeah, uh, chat news. There's Chaos on. <laughs> The bridge. He goes through and interviews people who are were actors on the show and uh, beside, behind the scenes uh, producers and writers and stuff like that. And um, I thought it was very informative. I'd learned things about the pro, uh, about the uh, production I never knew, especially about TLDR, Gene Roddenberry. It's all Roddenberry's fault. Oh snap! <laughs> long story short, yeah. still worth watching. I would guess from the clips I saw. But long mm-hmm. story short, it, it all sucks. Oh, Roddenberry. That's that's the summary. <laughs> Ro- Roddenberry and his lawyer. His lawyer his was a son of a bitch. Lawyer. Yeah, it was a son of a bitch. I encourage anybody, any fan of Next Generation, please watch it. You'll be highly entertained, and um, a lot of you'll learn a lot now, about now, the production. Bro, do they do they do they hint upon one of the most seminal moments in Star Trek: The Next Generation, the debut of the Riker beard? Uh they mention it. And Jonathan Frakes is uh, one of the people interviewed. They they mentioned the transition from series season two to three. Like that was like um, the the time where they that's when the had Riker beard freedom. showed up. Right? Yeah, that was the Riker beard showed up at the beginning of season three. So they they acknowledged it. It wasn't for very long, but um, yeah, they 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 definitely because that was that was a quick turnaround because that wasn't that wasn't the gradual progression of <laughs> the, the Cisco goatee mm-hmm. and bald head because <laughs> you know that was gradual that, that faded that in. That, <laughs> As his hairline faded away, that yes. goatee faded in. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was so it. on the on the Solbro rating scale. What would you What would you give? Chaos on the bridge. Well, uh, I would probably give it about a four out of five. I I like the captains better, uh, which is. Uh, Shatner's other documentary that he did, but uh, I thought this one was very good. It was very short. I expected like they they could have, they had more material. They could have gone on for a little bit longer. It could have been two hours, but I guess they wanted to keep it nice and tight. And the best part about <laughs> it, maybe to they me, didn't want to dis- disparage too much of an old dead guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they were kind to him at the end of it. It's just that during the production of the first two seasons, there were some weird choices being made. The biggest thing that really threw me off was, um, and I, I guess this is definitely apparent as you watch the show, they didn't want the characters of the show to have any conflicts between each other and i thought that was pretty stupid because that kind of breeds a good storytelling um when season three rolled around they started focusing on characters and their quirks and what made you know what make them the characters that we remember and and and, and, and next generation they're quarks yeah <laughs> that's quarks too <laughs> but yeah um once they got past a lot of the things that kept the shackled down that show really got to uh lift off uh, uh no pun intended went to warp 10 huh? it sure did <laughs> all the dilithium all, all the dilithium crystals but yeah mm. good stuff I, I i had a fun time watching it a four out of the five on the solar scale that, mm-hmm. that's that's good stuff so um thank you mr rodimus 76 for your submission and it looks like we got ooh, we got some robot apocalypse news ooh. and this is a bad one. Oh no
is neo so robophobic. And this comes from poster Ryder Caputo, and I, I guess this is person's new. I haven't seen this name before, but uh, he has a robot apocalypse news alert. And the synopsis here is North Dakota. I've never trusted North Dakota as a state. Uh, <laughs> passes a law to arm police drones. The RoboCop remake may be more documentary than an allegory as <laughs> North Dakota's made it legal to arm drones. Now they can only be... Uh, armed with less than lethal measures, you have 10 seconds to comply. So, yes, I I had heard about this. I'm I'm always well aware of all the uh, robot apocalypse. Is the drone codenamed Ed 209? (laughs) (laughs) I think what's weird, too, is I remember seeing pictures of these. Yes, they're white. So, uh, what happens (laughs) when black people are in... Is, is, is there still going to be that that white cop black person uh, animosity with the drones? <laughs> <laughs> what if a white drone pulls over a black drone? What what happens there? <laughs> drone on drone violence is what happens. <laughs> no, that would be a black drone and black drone. Oh but, damn it! Yeah. So uh, yes, thank you, Mister Ryder Kabuto, for that. Yes, it's it's happening, and and everybody thinks this is cute because oh, they're drones, they're so funny, blah blah blah. But no. They're going to kill us all. And speaking of kill us all, this is coming from Zero the Vast Night. And, uh, yes, uh, he's talked about um, there's there's a big empty – there's a former naval base up in, up in um, the Bay Area that they're testing all the driverless cars, you mm-hmm. know, to ready to put them out on the freeway to kill us. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you, can, you can check this link here. It's, it's, it's quite a lengthy article from Time time.com and they talk about um you know all the different car manufacturers that are testing driverless cars so um yeah i I, i'm not down with this but um i guess i'll be driving an old an old uh an old buick or something (laughs) you keep it you keep it analog non-networked yes i'll just call it the galactica just paint galactica on the side (laughs) so uh Thank you, Mr. Zero the Mass Knight, for your submission. Oh, Soul Bro. Oh. It's the best part of the news. Oh, shit. Let's do it. Survey News Alert. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh, my God. That's bullshit. What the? Dude, can we uh, bring the brewskis? And it looks like here, Sir Bay is going to be. Man. Looks like Howard Stern's crown of King of All Media may not be there much longer. Because it says here that a Sir Bay led company. Is uh, they've just announced a graphic novel line? Yes, oh, and Sorbet is getting into the words, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it says here that uh, exploding comp- words. Oh no! <laughs> his company, 451 Media Group, they're going to be debuting several graphic novels at October's New York Comic Con, and plans to offer companion digital media via Machina. And the creators include noted screenwriter Scott Rosenberg and George Palakis along with Raymond Burnt, Bermudes, and Ty Dazzo. So, uh, and I guess Scott Rosenberg is, uh, well, he's part of, he did Con Air in uh, <laughs> Pain and Gain, and George Pella, Pelicanos was on The Wire. So, yeah, it looks like they say here there's going to be, uh, they discover great stories by the team of top writer writers, screenwriters, and authors, and then work our technology partners to turn these stories into a truly immersive entertainment experience. So, yeah, it looks like Surbeys uh, look ready to conquer another medium. Um, are, we, are we now going to see billion-dollar graphic novel releases? Is this what we're going to be seeing? <laughs> We'll see. It looks like he's coming in at all angles, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Howard Stern's crown of King of All Media may not hold 
that much longer. You, you, you know, I'm picturing it in, in, in my head, Soul Bro, mm-hmm. that, uh, that soundbite of Jonathan Price from Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> Which one is that? He's like, where he's like, I want, I want movies, I want magazine, I want film, I want print, I want everything. <laughs> of his vast empire. Yeah. I'll, I'll put that down. <laughs> Well, what would be next for uh, for uh, Sorbet? He's got he's got movies. He's done television because he's got that other that TV show that he produces. Now he's doing graphic novels. What music? Oh, a boy band, a, a Sorbet boy band. Oh no, <laughs> no, it'd probably be a girl band. I mean, it is Sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let, let me, it's going to be an all girl band. Sorry. <laughs> the Pussycat Girls Reloaded. <laughs> Let's go. What else would be would be available after that? What, what's the other mediums out there? Interweb. He's only he's already conquered the interweb. So it's a, it's a, it's a the the world is his oyster. It is. <laughs> it's just one. It's just one big ATM machine his at own, this point. His own network like WWE. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine the Survey Network. Oh my god. Oh. Hey, 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 Robert Rodriguez can have his own network. I guess Survey can too. You, you know, you know, it'd be the funny thing, and this would be the most ironic thing about the Survey Network mm-hmm. is everybody will complain about it, but it'll end up having the highest ratings because <laughs> all the people that hate Survey all they all hate watch them. Oh yeah, it's like it's like I love Survey movies, but I'm I don't always go to them. <laughs> I don't go to them release night, but I'll have people. Yeah, I went to this release night. I still hate Michael Bay. It's like, well, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, El Rey is hella watchable, so I think he probably could pull it off. I mean, he already has shows on TV like uh, The Last Ship. So, <laughs> hey, hey, Neo, I have a, a story for you about Sorbet. Oh, uh, it came from the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy related a story that happened with his wife, and uh, apparently, she asked him if uh, she, he wanted her to get her something while she was out, and he said uh, sorbet, and she says sorbet. And his answer is, you've been listening to too much Gundam. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yes, this is a real story from this the real Facebook group. Oh, wow. shit. I saw it the other day. Oh, huge, huge <laughs> shout-outs to those two. <laughs> See, it's spreading, man. It's spreading. The propaganda's working. Yo. <laughs> propaganda machine's working. <laughs> I forget oh, who it is. And since it's a few days old, it's probably like pretty far down. And I'd have to scroll to, and I'm too lazy wow. to do that. So shout out so, to whoever. So one of our listeners, his wife, <laughs> yo, Gundam, man, you sorbet with sorbet or sorbet with sorbet. Gundam, oh. making marriages last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe there should be some sorbet sorbet. Hey, Try saying that five I times just, fast. Yeah, so, yo, sorbet from, sorbet from Ben and Jerry's. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, why not? <laughs> Put his face on the on the packaging like like Stephen Colbert. A couple of explosions. Yeah. Eagles. Exactly. <laughs> Eagles. I can already see the tagline, you know, an an ex, an explosive mix of passion fruit and America. Pineapple. <laughs> and strawberries. Action packed. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> America. Hey man, I'd, I'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It'd be that guilty pleasure. Everybody would complain about it, but they're all buying it. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow, that, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Mr. Listener, who submitted that. You know, let us know who you are. Post up somewhere on the, the Mecca Talk forum and let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how often your your wife thinks of the survey. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> so thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission, and thank you everyone for all of your submissions. And um, 
If you ever have any news articles, just go to the Neos Listener to Submit the News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And we're going to be doing something we haven't done in about an episode or so. We're going to be doing some old-timey, but I think uh, there's actually some old-timey news that Chris might be uh, getting into with this, too. So uh, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat. How about you, Solbro? I am. Well, actually, I got some late-breaking Oh, you have a late-breaking news? Oh, you should have told me you had a news. Okay, let's go. This is coming in from the the uh, South Florida News Bureau. Yes, uh, this uh, with your with your reporter Chris Guanche. Chris, go ahead. So this comes courtesy of uh, Facebook, where Discotech has had one of their announcement frenzies, and uh, relevant to our listeners, they've unveiled plans for Blu-rays of Venus Wars. Wow. Ooh. Getter Robo Armageddon. Hell yes. And the Space Adventure Cobra movie. Now that's the classic right there. Let's really? go. Space Adventure Cobra. God damn. Yes. You know that's on Hulu Plus? Oh shit. I had no I, idea. I, I was yeah, I was going I was going through it the other day just to see it. And I was like, wow, space I, I didn't have time to just sit down and watch it, but I was like, man, I I had to I have to add this to the queue. Haven't seen this in forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. And of course, if you want to hear more about Venus Wars, check out uh, the review that we did a long time ago where we discussed the anime and the manga, which Solbro did not read all of. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, how long ago was that? That was years ago, huh? I don't know, two or three years, maybe? Man, yeah. This yeah, has been a long when, time. <laughs> that was back when Solbro didn't have the motivation of watching stuff on stream. I, wow. <laughs> That now, now he now he streams all his watching. He, he, I do. He never, it, he never misses anything. Before that, it was like, oh, you know what? It, it's been extremely helpful because I find out a lot of tidbits about the shows that I watch. But you thanks always to the cool spoil people what on we're there. gonna do. What? Oh, well, come on. We spoil what we're gonna do. It's, it's, not, it's no surprise anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We have. Mm-hmm. The- listeners out there that are just sitting there for two weeks or maybe three, depending on when Soulbro does it, yeah. releases them and going, what, what are they going to talk about next? Like that guy's wife, she, he wanted sorbet, she's thinking sorbet. <laughs> so she was probably thinking, what's the next sorbet news alert going to be? Just oh. like, what are they going to review next? I ain't spoiling the news. <laughs> My damn good, my damn, every day on freaking Google. Knights mm-hmm. of Stankonia. <laughs> no, that's right. Yo, the Stankonia like, Knights, yo. <laughs> I'm like, wow. This is, you know, I guess everybody knows what we'll be reviewing. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I Mr. Mr. Spill the Bean. I, I enjoy doing you're, you're, it. You're like, you're like Mr. I can't, I can't do any spoilers for anything for anybody, yeah. but you spoil the hell out of our show. Yo. <laughs> what the hell is that? If it's a review of something that's a mecha show, will, it's pretty I, obvious. I, I, I we're going to tell you the ending of Ant-Man. Oh, God damn it. I don't care. I don't care if you know what we're reviewing <laughs> in the next three episodes of Gundam because I'm just going to be sitting here watching. Or I, I really appreciate when people when I when I stream it and then I, I get people like Yup and uh, and shout outs to Dalo who was real. Dalo was like off the chain. He was giving me all sorts of insight about what was Which, going on in the show. I thought by it was the way great. you can uh, hear Chaos Cedar's review of Ant Man in our latest episode out now. Damn straight. Oh, look at that segue <laughs> cross promotion. Nicely done, sir. Nicely done over at chaostheater.blogspot.com. Hey. <laughs> Hey, so sometime randomly yeah. that you don't tell anyone mm-hmm. uh, out there in the audience, you should stream something that we're not actually going to review just to Yeah, fool. you should mess with I them. do all the time. <laughs> it would make it seem like it's something that we're going to review. Ah, uh, you go fool them? <laughs> like Evangelion. That, that'll be the good There team. you go. Oh, yeah. That's too obvious. Yeah, let's open up that can. <laughs> we already reviewed it, so... 
Yeah, back in episode 100. That's right. <laughs> Us reviewing. Le- legitimate. Yes. <laughs> I had a cold that day. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, so anything else with uh, breaking news, Chris? Or That's uh, that's it. So I uh, got some old-timey news. News. Go for it. Which is that it's time to uh, consign the old-timey segment to the pages of history where it belongs. Oh, man. Kind of like hopes and dreams. The, uh... The goddamn, the goddamn bit graveyard. The, the, the bit's kind of wearing a little thin and, uh, don't want it to wear out its welcome, which it probably has, and just the burden of keeping up with it, so maybe it'll pop in every once in a while randomly, but I am, as of this recording, closing the thread, so I will get through the backlog but that is it for old timey as a regular segment. Hey man, maybe you can bring back the old uh, Straight Talk Express, man. We've, we've been missing that guy. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be something to rage about pretty soon it's, because it is. It's election season, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's rev that sucker up. Well, no, fall fall anime is coming up. Oh so. shit, plenty to rage on. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, can't can't wait for that straight talk for the the weeks up up to uh, Iron Blooded Orphans when everybody's commenting of how great the show or how bad it'll be based on line art. So you know what's crazy though, with when it comes to that show, it, the response to that has been overwhelmingly positive. I'm shocked. It's like the first for now. For, yeah, until the show starts, and then we'll be back in the shit show again. Until a couple episodes in, when it becomes suddenly the worst thing ever, no doubt. Yeah. And then it's like you know. G. Rucker wasn't so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm framing I've, that bitch. I've already seen the the rehabilitation of age mm-hmm. starting up, so the the yeah, cycle just keeps on too. going. Yeah, I, I did see that too. I guess but. we can expect it. So anyway, to move on to uh, tonight's installment, the first one comes from Zero the Mass Knight, who says this is from the Angry Joe Show. Oh shit. Sonic Freeriders has ruined my life. That's it. This is the worst game I've ever played. Nothing in my life is the same anymore. Music doesn't sound the same. Food? Food doesn't taste like anything anymore. No, no, no. You don't get to go anywhere. Come here. Sit the zoink down and listen to me rant for ten minutes about this zoink damn game. Oh no. There aren't going to be any parodies in this review. We're not going to have a fun old goofy time. Oh no. Playtime is over. If I have to put up with this zoinks, you have to put up with this zoinks. And if I see one more, just one more Zoinks reviewer compare this to the sacred hoverboard from Back to the Future, I will fight you on the side of the street. But <laughs> the thing is, I've seen that review, and he, he did rail in that game badly. Holy shit. Get that impression. Yeah. And I, and, and I saw, what is it, was Khalifa get beat up on his hoverboard at LAX the other day. <laughs> <laughs> so that will happen if you continue your sacred hoverboard. Look at fought in the street, but... So next up, we have one from Dayman. Oh, yeah. Fighter of the Nightman. Good shit. Hold your ground, sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers. 
I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails, when we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But it is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields before the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day we fight. By all that you hold dear on this good earth, I bid you stand, men of the West. <laughs> Is that from the Lord of the Rings trilogy? No, it's from Game of Thrones. Oh, well, let me fix you know, it. with the whole like Gondor and Rohan part. Let me let me fix my face. <laughs> God dang it! I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I did not realize. My goodness. Next one up is from Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, If possible, please play Eye of the Tiger as you see fit. Of course. And if not, you're greedy and lazy. <laughs> is this going to be old-time, old-timey Rocky? Or is that? Probably can't even do that. <laughs> That'd be too I, difficult. I, 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 thank you, Yokozuna, for the work. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm Shimon Balboa. Do you suck at gunpla battles? Do you want to have Brosef relationships forged from countless battles? Does your self-defense class feel demeaning and worthless? Then come on down to Shimon Balboa's straight assembly class. We teach you how to jab, hook punch, and uppercut your way to the top. Our class is personally taught by me, Shimon Balboa. And I will straight assemble you into a killing machine that can pummel fancy pensy gum plaws like frozen beef in a New York minute. <laughs> Sign up now and you'll be able to attend a workshop class where you can learn some Jigen Hao from my Brosef Sekai. Shimon Balboa's straight assembly class. If you can't build them, at least fight them. <laughs> I'm sold. That should be that should be season three's tagline. There you go. Can't build them, sell them, fight them. Next up is one from our pal, the foul sorceress, about the continuing exploits of Florida Man. Sweet. <laughs> Florida Man attacked brother over bedsheets. A Deltona man told deputies that he was attacked and threatened by his brother, who was upset about his bedsheets, officials said. <laughs> Eric Ortiz was arrested Monday on charges of aggravated assault. According to an incident report, <clears throat> Ortiz broke woke his brother, wanting to know who changed the sheets on his bed. The brother told deputies that Ortiz struck him and made threats. The brother said he left the house and called for help. Ortiz was later arrested. (laughs) Awesome. Yo, Florida man. Never stop. Next one up, we have one from Fear Junkie. Legend tells of an artifact that can grant a woman's wish, the Skull Heart. However, if she is impure of heart, her wish will be corrupted and she will be turned into an immensely powerful, twisted being of destruction. The Skull Girl. A new Skull Girl has arisen. Who will defeat her and claim the Skull Heart? Nice selection, Fear Junkie. Good stuff. Next one up, uh, we have one from Dalo. Oh. Sounds kind of familiar. We are the Knights of the Plavsky Force, ever in search of Dennis's voice. A man of culture, a man of beer, a man of the news who knows no fear. We search far, near any, far near, any for clue who may hear. In our search of Dennis Lone, a story we must hear. Rejoice, rejoice, for Dennis Lone's voice. Rejoice, rejoice. 
a cultured voice. <laughs> you don't know anything about culture. <laughs> <laughs> that joke's ridiculous. <laughs> Man, Dennis, Dennis had like he's had like two references this episode already. Oh my gosh, oh, it's been a while. He, we dusted him off. And next is another one from Yokozuna Bulldozer that is uh, built fighters themed. Mm-hmm. It's the Tryon Three, the most awesome Gundam since transforming big <laughs> big semi trailers from America. Hell yeah. Sora Tryon, Umai Tryon, Raikou Tryon. Three super robot beasts combined to form the pride of Asaka since Gundam X Mayo. Yes, the Tryon 3. It is so awesome it made Kuwagugachi up the fin funnel. Order your kit now and we will throw in a flock of high mocks for target practice. Let's try on. Call now at 1-800-SHIN-GAYO. I'm already on the horn. <laughs> Old-timey guy has a problem with these uh, foreign-sounded voices or so, names. I so. don't think he likes foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that would that would kind of fit his profile, being from, like, the 1930s and stuff. Yeah. And next we have Fear Junkie, who says... Gundam Old Timey Theater presents Duong. Oh, wow. Number one, get a feeling so complicated. Two, who in face are you? Three, <laughs> when I was a kid, I saw Mona Lisa from my grammar school art book. The first time I saw her with hands on her knee. How do I say this? I had a boner. <laughs> Four, he got so mad he forgot what drawings are. Nice. Five, I am the Zoinks Strong. Six, what a beautiful Duang. Beautiful. It says here, I have either made Silver's day or pissed him off royally. Can't wait to see which. No, no, he, he made my day. Thank you very much, Peter Junk. I appreciate that. And we will close off with uh, a classic from MCT Dread. years ago, superstition and the sword ruled. It was a time of darkness. It was a world of fear. It was the age of gargoyles. Stone by day, warriors by night. We were betrayed by the humans we had sworn to protect. Frozen in stone by a magic spell for a thousand years. Now, here in Manhattan, the spell is broken, and we live again. We are defenders of the night. We are gargoyles. Fantastic delivery right there. My God. God. You could just feel the, the Keith David, couldn't you? You sure could, man. Dude, when they make that, that they, hopefully that live action will have Keith David recast as uh, Goliath because they're working on that. No, they're not. Yeah, well, they, well, well yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, they announced it, but, you know, that no, could be in development hell. You never know. You never know. So what, what happens first, that or Robotech movie? Uh, probably Robotech movie. <laughs> I, I would say gar- the Gargoyles thing that is not being worked on will happen before Robotech that is being worked on. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Can't wait for those Veritex. So. I wonder what they'll look like. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so... All right. So, guys, anything before we go into our segment about 
Knights of Sidonia Seasons 1 and 2. I, I'd like to make an addendum to something we brought up on an earlier episode of Goddamn, actually. Is this uh, an addendum or a correction? Oh, correct. Well, you can take it as you will. A what, did you miss? It, did, a, you, did you miss Spook? <laughs> it, it, it's actually me actually uh, conceding to Chris on something. A couple oh, oh. a couple months ago, we I asked a question during a segment. Uh, what movie do you think is going to actually gross more before uh, uh, gross more out of the two movies uh, that came out this year? One of them was Age of Ultron, and the other one was um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I honestly believe that The Force Awakens is going to murder Age of Ultron. Now, I was wrong. Uh, and I honestly believe that, and ma- mainly because uh, Age of Ultron. Hasn't happened yet, though. Well, Age of I Ultron mean, had a bad first weekend. You in sure? Comparison. You sure? You really want to say this? Yeah, I do. I do because would, I mean, you may have to do another. I don't know what's going to happen. Nah, but nah. I mean, I'll egg on my face if I if if I if I'm wrong for saying this, but I'll say this: Age of Ultron, when it debuted, had like everything happening that weekend, and it affected its box office somewhat. When Star Wars takes hold in December, going through January to February, it's going to clean up i honestly think it'll be in the top five of all high grossing movies of all time it's it's got the momentum behind it, be, it. it won't be jurassic park it won't be jurassic world no but it might be it might oh, supplant yeah. itself well, in it, fourth place it might because there are some projections out there saying that since it's a simultaneous worldwide release mm-hmm. that it could draw in up to 615 million opening weekend worldwide and that which would be amazing for december because there's never been a release in december that's grossed over 80 something million but this movie could be the movie to do it and on top of that what it, day does it come out it comes out december the 16th or 17th i believe it won't, they won't do that oh 18 won't do that the first weekend yeah. it'll it'll pick up steam i think afterwards because the 18th mm-hmm. people are christmas shopping man if it came out december 25th mm-hmm. then i could see it really doing that but there's going to be a lot of distractions on that point. I, I think a lot of people will put their Christmas shopping aside to go see a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, a lot of people get their Christmas shopping done early, too. And there's also Amazon. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I'll be like, yeah. you know what? Uh-huh. Screw screw mom and dad. I'm, I'll Amazon their shit later. I'm going to go see Star Wars right now. And also, on top of that, they just announced that uh, Star Wars is going to be in IMAX theaters for a straight month um, starting on the day of release, which is unprecedented for most movies. I think the last movie to do that was probably Avatar. So um, it's stands a chance of giving the top four movies a run for their money when well, it comes out. I, I will say this. Before you go on about anything, mm-hmm. you need to just wait and see. Because that, that's what, five months away? I'm, I'm just saying all signs point to it breaking some serious records. Okay. So, well, I mean... I, I will agree with Neo and say that you should uh, wait for it to come out. I, I think you need, to, I need to temper it. Yeah, I mean, you have to think mm-hmm. a lot of stuff can happen between now and then. And... You just don't know, and and you know it's five months away, man. Actually, it's about three and some change <laughs> at this point, so it's not too far off. It's not too far off, but uh, yeah, I just I'm looking at all the signs, and I think it's going to definitely clean up. So that's that's just me. Uh, right now, I think Age of Ultron is actually does hasn't even grossed as much as the original Avengers. So um, it's uh, Star Wars may stand a chance of beating it out. I just that's that's why I just wanted to say that now, just to get that out of the way. So there you go. Back to you, Neil. Yeah, well, I don't know why you even bothered saying that, but okay. So uh, we will be be going to our first and only topic of the show, Mm -hmm. and that's going to be our review of Seasons 1 and 2 of Knights of Sidonia. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
shot you in the ass. Who? That who would be you? Me? I shot you? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, was, I was shooting. That was. I did a lot of shooting. I mean, but I, I, I ain't saying I shot you in the ass. I mean, I, I ain't saying I didn't shoot you. But gun Damn! Somebody shot you in the ass! Tell me about it. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning, In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls. Warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name... Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. This is pretty cool. Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and our main topic for this evening is the anime series Knights of Sidonia, based on the manga of the same name by Sutomo Nihei, and it's available now for streaming on Netflix, which uh, is something that requires a little discussion because Netflix builds it as a Netflix original anime, which, strictly speaking, is not true. As everyone knows, 
they've delved into the original content arena with shows like uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, House of Cards, lots of other stuff. Mm -hmm. But they've gotten a little willy-nilly with uh, the little Netflix banner (laughs) and have just been applying it everywhere to stuff they just have the rights to, which Hmm. is not the same as stuff that they produce. So while they did pay for the English dub and they do have the rights to air it, They did not have it made for them, so to call it a Netflix original anime is a little bit of a misnomer. Netflix original dub. (laughs) Yeah, Netflix original dub. That's that's basically uh, what we're looking at. So, not going to get into a super detailed summary of the series, but uh, it's based on a continuing manga that is actually going to end next month, and presumably will lead to a third season next year to wrap up the story. But... Uh, More than a thousand years in the future, we have basically a refugee colony ship of people from Earth, which was destroyed by these alien monsters called the Gauna, and they have escaped on these colony ships and continue to be pursued by the Gauna, who they can't communicate with and are just seemingly bent on destroying them. So the people of Sidonia use giant robots called guards Mm -hmm. to fight the Gauna, and the Gauna have these protective shells called the Annas that have to be destroyed so that their cores can be attacked, and once the core is destroyed, the Gauna just disintegrates. So the constant stream of attacks has led to some pretty harsh living situations, and to keep up their population, the people of Sidonia have had to resort to cloning, and even, interestingly, genetic engineering so that people can photosynthesize (laughs) and only have to eat food one time a week rather than every single day. Mm -hmm. So into this situation, we're introduced to the main character, Nagate Tanikaze, who live under the surface of the residential area with his grandfather, Saito, who, as you later turn out, is not his grandfather, but um, him, because Tanikaze is a clone of Saito, who happens to be immortal. But we'll get into that more a little bit later. So Tanikaze has been raised underground, And he spent his entire life training in a guard simulator. And because he has lived underground, he hasn't been genetically modified. So unlike everyone else, he does have to eat food every day. Mm -hmm. So after his discovery, he becomes a pilot trainee and he uses combat this famous old mecha from the previous generation called the Sugumori, which was used by, you guessed it, Saito. (laughs) So there's a lot of politics going on in Sidonia because there's a council of immortal people who sleep in these creepy beds who run everything. And there's lots of immortal people all over the ship who are in key positions and are hundreds of years old but don't look like a day over 25. Man. Which can get kind of confusing. So Tanikaze starts making new friends, especially two people in particular, a girl named Hoshijiro and a middle sex person named Izana, who is neither male nor female. <laughs> and along the way, starts up a rivalry with this uh, asshole rich boy named Kunato. Of course. So... Attacks happen, Tanikaze shows off his skills because everyone pilots a newer type of mecha, but he's able to use this older one because he was trained on 
that older simulator. And unfortunately, uh, Hoshijiro gets killed by the Gauna in one battle and absorbed by it, which ends up creating a Gauna clone of her that is uh, held aboard Sidonia. And it seems to show some rudimentary intelligence. And at the end of season one, we have this big battle where Tanikaze protects the ship and basically uh, becomes their ace pilot. So, Sobro, your thoughts on season one of the show? Well, season one, man, I'm watching the show and it feels so familiar to me when I'm watching it. Um, Like, it's a mismatch of a lot of shows I've enjoyed throughout the years. Uh, Say, for instance, like, uh, of course, their situation on board the the, the Sidonia uh, colony feels like Macross to me, especially in those scenes where you see them having to hit the thrusters and it throws off the gravity Uh, because they they tell you earlier in the show it's like you need this gravity belt otherwise you might die in a situation where the gravity uh, gives out on us it hasn't happened for a hundred years but it could happen at any time then you get to see it in episode i think five or something where they get holy shit people are like bouncing off of buildings like pinballs it's so bad (laughs) into little tiny pieces oh my god salsa everywhere bro human salsa (laughs) holy shit the body bags are plentiful um in some ways it also reminded me of uh Fafner uh, in the Azure Blue. I forget what it is. Fafner in the Azure. That's it. Um, with the enemy that's just mysterious and uh, very powerful and in the pursuit of the people. You know, I, I like the, the approach they took with that because you get to see the sheer horror of those uh, of the Gauna right off the bat in the show. The beginning of the second episode, actually, uh, is a very good example as one of the characters you think is going to be around for a while gets uh, swallowed up. I think her name was uh, Eiko Yamano. They they give you a little insight in her character. She's kind of cold, and she puts she's she's very just uh, I I guess just just angsty, and then she just gets completely devoured, and it's like damn she went she went out quick. <laughs> Um, there's a little bit of Attack on Titan feel in there with me too. I mean, very little, but you know, when people get devoured and uh, some of the other aspects of the show and, and the tension that you feel in the first season remind me a little bit of Attack on Titan. And then there's one little aspect of the show that reminded me a shit ton of Mospera, and that is with uh, Hoshijiro herself, how she uh, gets introduced and she's a possible kind of uh, love interest for uh, Tanikaze. You get attached to her in the previous episode before you find out that she died. They went through it. They endured a uh, situation where um, both Tanikaze and her had to survive for like a week and some change. Uh, you know, they had to plan things out, which reminded me of that episode of Macross where Midmay and Hikaru were stranded in that section of the SDF-1. Really good episode. I enjoyed it. And you found out a lot about photosynthesis and how um, the difference between a normal human and uh, one of the uh, 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 eugenics enhanced uh, clones that, uh, that, that, that are part of Sidonia. Um, and then the very next episode, at the very end, you find out that she's dead and it's like yo what the f- what the hell just happened and uh, i i did like the kind of disorienting uh storytelling that they did because in the next episode you find out how she died and she went out pretty bad um and then she gets uh she gets of course as you mentioned she gets cloned by the uh by the gauna uh, as in uh, one of their alien pilots and gets brought back and it reminded me of I don't know uh, Marlene's name in Japanese. I don't know if her name was Marlene in uh, Mospeta, but um, Stick Bernard's uh, fiance when she died in Mospeta, and then she I got. Believe she was uh, Marlene. The difference between the two is that uh, the inbit that they meet. Mm-hmm. ends up getting named Aisha rather than stick creepily naming her after his dead fiance. Oops. 
But that's the st- that's the plot point that that reminded me of vastly, and it stuck with me throughout the watching of the rest of the show. I really dug this mismatch of of different uh, ideas that it just managed. They it, the show managed to culminate them in a, a pretty powerful uh, uh, first half of the series and just watching uh, how Tanikaze gets acclimated into the society and the kind of racism that he endures was very interesting to see that and the bonds he forms with the different pilots and how he has ups and downs uh, you made it for very compelling watching up uh, the animation for the characters I thought was lacking a little bit how you know it, it was kind of skippy and you know it was limited but they I realized why they did that and that was to save the budget for the actual action scenes in the series which are very fluidly animated um and very well orchestrated uh the the storyboarding for this series is incredible you can see a lot of the scenic sites throughout sedonia the way the how, how beautifully the city is portrayed and uh how how well the uh, the characters and the situations are framed including the fights themselves i thought it was a very well directed show um i'm trying to think of what else uh overall though i i, I had a blast watching season one um i won't i won't go on and on uh, i'll pass it back to you chris and 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 uh, there you go. All right, Neo, your thoughts on season one? Um, yeah, I, I guess I, c- I can agree with Solbro. Yeah, it, it does. It's you know it's formulaic, but after a while, you watch a lot of these different types of shows. You, you, you kind of know what's happening. But I think one of the major great points about the first season, though, is the fact that we get to see the whole acclimation of Tanikaze uh as as Solbro said some of the some of kind of like the racism and hatred because he was growing up in the bottom as a bottom dwellers I think that's what they were calling him mm-hmm. and stuff they they did a pretty good job of kind of fleshing out the situation that they got there I can't really remember if they really stated that anybody was there any other bottom dwellers that were around or anything like that or was it just because he was so different um, that they were uh, kind of being mean to him and stuff. Did, did I can't remember. Did they have a situation where people went underground and attacked them or something or stole stuff? I it just seemed that that seemed a little weird to me. But you know, I thought maybe there was like these almost like these people would be like uh, boogeyman or something. But <laughs> it just it just was one of those situations. Um, yeah, uh, you get to see him grow, and yes, it's predictable. You know, you see. The Kanato, oh, I want to be the pilot of Sugimori, the blah, blah, blah. And then Tadakaze shows up and then, you know, oh, he's able to do this because he's been on the old, uh, you know, simulators. And now this guy that's using the machine that's vastly technologically inferior to what we have now is suddenly, you know, kicking ass and taking names. And, it, and of course, we find out later the reasons why. But um uh, you know, I, I think they, they treated it pretty well. There was a, there's definitely some great senses of urgency, especially with the, the Ghana attacks, um, in the, you know, throughout the show. I, I think they kind of did a good job of, of, uh, having like things in the colony or things, things in Sidonia versus having to go out and fight. I think there was a good balance of those things and it, it really kind of made sense. But, um, you know, other than that, it's stuff we've seen before, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't good. So, and it, it was just a little bit different way of doing it. It is very confusing, the fact that everybody is kind of these man-women hybrids in a, in a way. So, it is a little difficult sometimes <laughs> to understand or, or to recognize, this person's that way. You look the same. And I, I know a lot of it, too, is the 
the animators seems like they can only draw like three three types of faces. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure that was kind of the easy way of uh, you know copying out of making distinctive characters too. So, but uh, you know, overall, I think season one was uh, was was very enjoyable and um, definitely met the hype that I was hearing before watching the show because I know a lot of people were excited about it. So, um, uh, I, I I see what they were talking about. So, uh, back to you, Chris. I, I got to add one last thing uh, for a series that was animated by CG. I, 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 my eyes adjusted pretty quickly to this, uh, to the cell shaded animation. I, I thought it was uh, very well done, even even with the limited animation for the people. I, I you know, I, I had my had my doubts at first, but once I started watching it, it was it, it, it pulled it off pretty well. So I see a lot of different influences, like you all mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about it, the whole idea of this series is the nightmare scenario from Macross that prompted yeah. the human colonization plan. Oh. Which was all based on the premise that humanity needs to spread out to survive in case aliens come and destroy Earth. Absolutely. Well, hell, part of part of Sidonia was the Earth, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look what happens here: the Gauna have destroyed the Earth. Uh-huh. We have these colony ships that, in essence, are just refugee ships. They've yeah. all gone their separate ways. Nobody knows what's happened to these other ships, if they've survived or if they've all been destroyed by the Gauna. And whereas, uh, you know, something like the Macross 7 or the Macross Frontier are colony generation ships, Sidonia is a refugee ship that's always being chased. Yeah. And it's just a struggle to survive, which in that regard reminded me a lot of the new Galactica. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You definitely see that same sort of uh, impermanence where at any given moment the fleet could be attacked by the Cylons and they're just trying to survive, let alone even think about settling somewhere and having a future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of mechatropes. You have some anime tropes like uh, some harem building. um, (laughs) Yeah. They do definitely surprise you by who they kill and how. Like oh, yeah. bringing bringing uh, Tanikaze and Hoshijiro so close together just to then kill her off. Oh yeah, you did not. You would not expect her to die in most other anime, at least not this early. Yeah, it has she, an effect yeah. on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What uh, can be a little rough is telling people apart because the cast is so huge, but also the character designs are kind of bland. Mm-hmm. You know, like you look at the women, they all have pretty much the same figure, big boobs, <laughs> oval-shaped faces, a little pointy chin at the bottom, and about the only way to tell any of them apart is uh, by their hair, but even then, most of them have the same hairdo, so the one that sticks out the most is uh, Yuhata because she has green hair. Yes. Yeah. Everyone else is black, so even the dudes, most part, are kind of hard to tell apart. Except for that one dude with the gray hair. Yeah, back. and it doesn't help that uh, you have all these immortal crew members who, yeah. in some cases, have grandchildren, like Dr. Shinatose, who is the grandmother of Izana, but looks like an older sister at best. Yes. <laughs> but is grandma. Mm-hmm. You know, or Kobayashi, the ship's captain who wears uh, the mask so that no one can see her emotions and so she can sneak around the ship undercover. She looks like she's in her 20s, but she's hundreds of years old. Exactly. And you got that creepy immortal council. So I like... Oh, the minority report? Yeah. Oracles? (laughs) (laughs) 
I like the execution of this series. I like the constant tension of a Gauna attack because you feel it like, hey, this one's shown up. This one's bigger than the last one. Our weapons aren't working. You feel that uh, constant thread of tension because peaceful moments are pretty often interrupted in this show. Mm-hmm. And anyone could die out there. Exactly. And then there's also the mystery of the Gauna in that, you know, they are imperceptible alien monsters. Are they sentient? Are they just beasts? Are they able to communicate with us? Do they even care? Mm-hmm. You know, that's an interesting mystery. And I don't know if that'll be explored further in the third season. So those, those are all benefits. I didn't mind the cell shaded approach mm-hmm. in the CG. I think it looks good and has never bothered me. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, with a lot of Western mecha fans, just have this, I think, unfounded and instinctive hatred of any and all CG battle scenes. Ooh. I thought they were done pretty well. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, the, the, the technology is so much better than it was five, six oh, God. years ago. Look, God, look at the original Seed. Uh, yeah. Which <laughs> had some pretty horrible CG, especially... Uh, CG ocean stuff. Or even Macross Zero. You know, it, that, even though it was, it was good for its time, it's, it's aged a bit. Like, uh, it, you can see the difference between Zero and Frontier, and this is even better looking than Frontier was. Yeah, so I think it looks good, but unfortunately, like I said, you're going to have people who just instinctively hate CG, no matter how good it looks, just because of the fact that it's CG. Mm-hmm. And cell shading also has people of split opinion, but I think it works for the show and makes it look different. But again, the character designs are a problem, but of course that's an issue with the original manga. Yeah. Having these bland and indistinguishable designs. So, but they do, they, they do a nice job though with the whole he, she, you know, gender switching thing where it did, it kind of bothered me at first, but when they kind of approached it that way, I was like, Oh, okay. This kind of you know would make sense if they're messing with their genes and they're able to switch genders. And yeah, I could probably see people being very meh. Yeah, I mean, it's not the first time I've seen this in uh, science fiction either. Uh, they were eleven is a OVA that came out a, 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 about twenty years ago, and it had a character in there who was able to uh, choose what gender they wanted to be. In this case, uh, 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 Iza, Iza, what's her name? Uh, Izana couldn't. Uh, she couldn't choose her her gender. I guess her body decided for her. But I thought it was really interesting to to see another series. Well, it was where based that was on in her there. feelings. Yeah, it was based on her feelings, but which she has some control over, of course. So moving on to season two, we start with uh, Kunato wanting to even things up with Tanekaze. Mm-hmm. So his family they develop weapons for the ship, and he opens up this forbidden laboratory that belonged to the mad scientist Ochiai who did all sorts of experiments on the Ghana and had delusions of godhood. (laughs) Unfortunately for Kunato and his lackey, Ochiai, although he was captured and had his mind imprisoned in a clone because of all of the secrets he had, he left a little bit of himself behind in some kind of like slug creature thing Mm -hmm. that takes over Kunato and starts using him as a puppet. So what does uh, he do? Well, he uh, takes the uh, Gauna clone of Hoshijiro and creates a human Gauna hybrid named Sumugi that uh, very strange looking and is the size of a guard, but like I said, is a mix of 
human and Gauna, and has, uh, for lack of a better term, talking penis-like appendage (laughs) that can sneak through the pipes and allows her to hang out with Tanikaze and Izana, who become her BFFs. So uh, Sumugi makes her appearance. A lot of the people are not pleased by her presence until she nearly sacrifices herself to save the ship, and then everybody loves her. And then throughout the rest of the season, they're on their way to the Lemsar system where some angry colonists had broken off from the ship beforehand in the first season to go head there. So now the ship is going there as well because they obviously want to get the resources that are there on those planets. So it's a constant battle with the Gauna. Tani Kaze continues to improve his skills and become more famous around the ship. And then Izana, in the course of a battle, loses an arm and a leg. They have to get replaced by prosthetics. And then, because of romantic feelings for Tanikaze, body undergoes a change and becomes a woman. So she starts to develop female parts and... uh, there's all of this uh, sexual tension between her and Tanikaze, and also their roommate, Yuhata, who is their boss and a plamo freak. <laughs> yeah. Was jealous of uh, Izana. So, at the same time, you have sneaky politics because Kobayashi murders the entire Immortal Council. Oh, yeah, he does. I'm she sorry. Does. She does. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the dude that actually the the clone of Ochi Ochi that she had that 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 uh went ahead and rocked him with those marbles. <laughs> what a scene! What a scene! So there's lots of sneakiness happening, and eventually they get to uh, the Lem Star system. They send out a reconnaissance unit to go check out the ninth planet, which basically is Saturn. Mm-hmm. And Izana is there. She gets attacked by a giant Gauna thing. So, of course, Tanikaze has to go rescue her using newly upgraded Sugumori. And then we have a big old battle between Sidonia's forces and the Gauna, which results in the cluster there being eliminated and Sidonia capturing control of Planet Nine and all of its resources, which is where we leave off with this season after Tanikaze goes on a nostalgia tour of the old underground. So, Neil, what were your thoughts on season two? Well, after season one, I was pretty excited to watch season two and the first couple episodes... God, it, it was. I was like, "Wow, this is great!" But it's that middle section. Um, I just the Sugimori stuff. I get it, but the wandering penis tentacle. You mean the Sumugi? Sumugi. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the the you know all that stuff where they were doing a good job of doing the day to day life kind of interspliced with some battles and things like that. It. It really kind of slowed down here. I get it to a certain point when you, you know, we start having people with feelings and stuff. But then, like you said, there's other mecha tropes in here where it's like, you know, everybody loves Tanakaze. And, you know, he's the, you know, he's the one that all the women and penisoids are, are, are looking for. It's just, it really took it down 
um, from about episode four to about episode 10, maybe 11. Uh, I was very fastly losing interest in this epi- in this show, and it was just because of the pacing and just a lot of that stuff was just getting very old. The, the uh, Sumugi stuff just was just I I I was getting to a point where I was like, okay, can we get to a point where they just move on? You know, I didn't want to fast forward because I was afraid to miss something. But yeah, I was getting that feeling like I'm, I'm just like, okay, I get it. She looks like a a penis tentacle, but this is just so dumb after a while. Um, I think they never really kind of did anything. You never really got anything where, you know, uh, with the Ghana human hybrid, what was the reasoning? Um, they never really talked to her too much about like feelings or, you know, outside of just like stupid things like petting a cat or doing a beetle or some things like that. But then, yeah, when they go to they go to Planet Nine, which every time I heard Planet Nine, I kept thinking of that uh, Plan Nine from Planet Outer, Outer Space. Space. Oh yeah, I kept, I kept, I'm like, I'm like, wait a second, what? What? I just keep, I just, it just automatically clicked in my head. But yeah, those battles were cool. You know, I, I like that you get to see that um, uh, even. Even the remaining guard pilots, they're all kind of growing up, uh, holding their own. But, you know, uh, and, and it was cool at the end with the whole nostalgia tour with Tanikaze. I, th- I thought that was very cool, especially after when you thought everybody that was a pilot was a knight, but he was the only knight because you get the little medal. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But, um, you know, for all the things that I was really looking forward to, it's just... I, I got kind of destiny to a point. I mean, it got it redeemed it, but it was like the first couple episodes are great, and then it just went kind of bonkers for me. And I'm just like, what am I kind of watching here? I'm having a tough time, and it it saved it though. I, I will say that the the last two episodes especially were very good, and uh, uh, you know, but I, I wanted a little bit more, and then uh, maybe. You know, they didn't, they didn't go, I, you know, they have this, Kobayashi's got this great takeover and stuff, and, but it seems like they kind of abandoned those storylines until towards the end when you see, like, oh, well, you know, uh, we, we did this ceremony to give him this medal because people like to see this to hide our true intentions, and, you know, you're like, oh, wow, I want to see what the true intentions are, but that, that middle part was just killing me, man, and uh, it's sad because uh, I was really digging the show, so... Back to you, Chris. Okay. Sobro, your thoughts on season two? Well, uh, being that there's a lot more manga to adapt, I, I looked at this as a transitionary season. I, I was warned ahead of time by people that this season was a lot slower paced than the last one. And uh, when I went into it, I could definitely tell that the tone was really uneven uh, when it came to like the dire situation that they were in. And then you had all the uh, the wacky uh, suburban hijinks of uh, a Three's Company. <laughs> Well, I think I think what you're saying though is maybe that's yeah. a good point of putting it is yeah. um, it was uneven and yeah. the, and it's like I, I don't have a problem with things slowing down absolutely but yeah it just seemed the stuff was uneven and kind of unnecessary yeah I, I mean it I, it, it kind of lets your guard down quite a bit because of all the all, let your guard down oh man because of all the uh, all the happy. Uh, uh, was it a domestic living that was going on and the interactions between uh, the main characters including uh, my favorite character uh, Penis Chan I mean uh, 
Samugi. Uh, not really my favorite character, but I, I found her interesting in the fact that she turned out to be so accommodating. I thought eventually there'd be a point in the show where she would actually become a monster or something like that, but I guess that, that has yet to be seen. Um, but the fact that she, made it better. I, I still think that might be coming, but um, it, it, the fact that she's so docile and just wants to know more about the world, she did seem interesting to me at first. I, I was a little sad that um, we got a lot less of uh, Lala Hiyama, which I meant to mention last uh, for the first season, the, uh, the Mama Bear character, literally so. I found her to be really interesting, and then when you find out that she used to be a pilot back in the day, I thought it was really cool. Um, and now she's just a kind of a, a door mother slash chef for all the pilots. Cosplayer, yeah, because <laughs> that's why like a suit that keeps her alive, right? Yeah, she's yes. like an old lady inside of it. So. Exactly. And they never really said why the hell she picked that form. They I ever why? Because why not? A mascot. Yeah, I guess. Like I guess someone's got to be the mascot. <laughs> Giant bear. She's she's the horror of the show. There you go. Um, I guess so. There was a whole lot less of her this season because uh, I really enjoyed her interactions with uh, Tanikaze and the fact that um, she felt really connected to him because of the fact that, she, that he was a clone of uh, Saito. So um, a lot less of her around. Uh, the change in the demeanor of the captain was another thing. I, I guess it had to happen because the Immortal Council was kind of manipulating everything in their favor. And so they had to go. But there was a time where I was wondering if she also got brain jacked by uh by Ochiai throughout the series, and I guess she didn't. I, I think she's pretty much just she's thinking about the longevity of the people inside uh, of Sidonia, and she's making the hard decisions in order to make sure that they can get resources, that they can fi- eventually find a planet to uh, colonize and to take a offensive position to take out the. Uh, Gauna once and for all so um she uh decided to kill the council and it was a very shocking scene um at the end of the day i think it was something that she needed to do but um she got real distant who, who, who's gonna predict who's gonna commit crimes in the future yeah <laughs> every time i saw them i thought of minority report Yo, tom, like, where's, where's tom cruise the way oh, space yeah. tom cruise will show up <laughs> But, uh, you know, it was a pretty gangster scene, and I, I was glad to see that she was evolving as a character. Uh, I did like that moment at the end where she and uh, Lala had that back and forth, and you could see that she now is basically, you know, going to distance herself from everyone in order to make sure she sees this through. So um, it's going to make for a very interesting season three when uh, when that plays out. I, I dug the fact that we got to know more about the pilots, uh, especially characters like, uh, what's her name? Uh... Uh, not Sazaki, but uh, Samari. So it's that um, the female badass pilot that was paired up with uh, Suruchi and Sei. She that one scene where she and uh, <laughs> Tanikaze are drinking at the bar and eating food, and uh, she says, "I'm ready to do some uh, photosynthesis with you." And he passes out. That, that pissed me off about uh, Tanikaze, by the way. The fact that every time he could get some, he would always like find some way to pass it up. <laughs> anime <laughs> yeah i mean it is it's typical for anime but in, in a lot of cases i there could have been i if i was him i would have gone for it but then again I, but if not. you were in but if you were in an anime you would act the same way <laughs> i suppose so i suppose so but yeah um yeah overall this this season definitely could have used more urgency uh i could have used more ochi in the season too 
Um, I love the fact that he took over uh, Kunado's body, and I wanted to see more of him. I was told that in the manga, there's more of scenes of him in the manga that they cut out of the show, I guess, for time constraints. But I would have no for for Penis Chan. For Penis Chan, oh boy. Penis Chan. <laughs> well, I could use more of him and his his top notch villainy, and um, I, I'm very interested to see where his character goes and how he's going to end up screwing things up for everybody on board the ship um, in the next season. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I thought that the ending scenario was top notch and especially the last two episodes were very, very, uh, very, uh, exciting to watch and, and, and had me on the edge of my seat, especially the cliffhanger to, uh, episode 12. So, uh, I thought that was really cool, but, uh, back to you, Chris. So I think we should all decide on Sobro's man for the show. Oh, and I think that the pretty obvious candidate is, uh, Suruchi. Oh, you mean anime Bill Moore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> guy, the guy that got knocked out in the, oh. in the always yeah. knocked out, always rejected. Yeah, yeah. I also want to give a big thumbs up to say oh, uh, always, always, uh, always with some good old uh, sexual harassment talk too. I yeah. guess they don't have the they don't have those uh, you know they don't have a, like a compliance <laughs> officer. <laughs> I, I also like to give the Clancy Brown Award uh, to uh, to to say the. Uh, the guy who was the former commander that turned out to be a, a badass boy. I guess he was a badass pilot, then went back into the front lines and held it down throughout the whole show. Uh, anime Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he was real cool. So, yeah, I think season two took a hit for various reasons. Um, they definitely lost the sense of urgency from the first season and that sense of dread because now Tanikaze was at like gundam ace levels Mm -hmm. so you never had that much worry of you know are they going to get out of this this time Yeah, it was like the middle of love love right where the beginning starts out like gangbusters and then things kind of settle down and it's like i I didn't want to see that happen to this show (laughs) yeah and then they introduce um sugumi and instead of being this like creepy alien existence Mm -hmm. she becomes uh, a penis-shaped generic anime girl oh yeah like down to the cutesy voice oh no and just like lots and lots of domestic hijinks and you know yuhata moves in with them and she's jealous because she wants tanikaze and blah 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 and you know while i like seeing the developing relationship between tanikaze and izana Mm -hmm. and especially the way that it affects izana physically uh overall i felt that there was just too much domestic focus in this season and i also would have liked to have seen more of ochi's various plots and plans because at the beginning of the season he introduces um sugumi and then doesn't really do anything he talks about how he's gonna you know unravel the mystery that he couldn't before and how he's going to become a god but uh it's like otherwise he's a pretty absent villain and he hasn't yet done anything that is outright villainous towards tanikaze mm. yeah and i, I want to see that because yeah. obviously the gauna are not villains they are just uh, an obstacle absolutely so I feel that the pacing was definitely hurt by all of the domestic stuff. And the comedy definitely, I don't mind a lighter tone mm-hmm. to take a break from all the serious craziness. But I feel like the tone gets just a little too light sometimes. And it clashes with the aesthetic that this show had established in the first season. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's such a screeching difference. Like, it's like, you know, before... 
they were always on edge. It was kind of just a, you know, ho-hum existence domestically and stuff. And now it's like, you know, a slice of life show. (laughs) I mean, there could have been a little, you can have a little bit more. I'm not saying you can't have these people acting like humans, but just like the screeching, like complete 180 that was done. It's just like, oh my gosh. And I haven't read the manga, which is available in America from Vertical, but I imagine given the lead time that uh, is required for animating a show like this, that there probably wasn't as much manga to work with when they started this, probably a year ago, I would say. Mm -hmm. And they would have to, I assume, uh, pad it out and extend stuff, which leads us to where we are of this kind of like middle slog up until they actually freaking get to Planet Nine. And then those last two episodes are really solid, especially the last one being uh, a full half hour at least. Mm -hmm. So good beginning, good end, kind of weak middle. Yeah, yeah. I would say for season two. And weird tonal issues with uh, Anime Girl, Sumugi, and uh, all of the domestic hijinks. Oh, boy. (laughs) So, what do we uh, what do we think the Ghana are? What's what's our speculation, Solbro? I I think that they might be uh, mutated humans of some sort. Um, maybe there was some kind of uh, maybe they tried to colonize planets before people left Earth, and uh, it could have been people who came in contact with something that mutated them, and they decided to return to kind of uh, to absorb the rest of humanity, so they can track down other humans probably by just their senses and that's why they're still in pursuit of all the colonies out there i'm thinking that the sidonia is the last colony that's out if, there i think they've got if they were all. just messed up humans that would be gargantia yeah it, that would be yeah and, and aren't they aren't and aren't they attracted to the Hagus particles more than they humans oh, yeah true that that's right that's because right. remember they they eject their uh battery packs in like episode eleven, yeah, they seem to like a, throw off the scent. So they seem like an organic version of the Borg to me, because the way they uh, turned out, uh, uh, Hoshijiro, and how um, you know the, how how she they pretty much used her as a vessel, and how, the way they're able to acclimate the technology of the what are they um, the Kabasashis as well, and turn them in, uh, turn them against the uh, the pilots of the Sidonia too. I I think there might be something human in their origin, honestly. Well, they kind of remind me of. Uh the Vajra, because oh. they both use biotechnology. Yeah. So, uh, question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't get to say what I thought they were. Yeah. What, okay. Go ahead, Neo. I I think I think they might be more in the vein of like kind of like the um, and just the concept, not exactly like it, but like what is it? The ELS, the ELS from Oh yeah, Double uh, where they're just this like higher plane kind of existence that what we would think is communication and what they think is. It's just it just goes completely different. It's maybe viewed as being you know something aggressive or something like that. I'm not saying they're like metal people and you know more kind of techno organic like the ELLs, the L scene. But I think they might be kind of that concept of of just something just so beyond what we would think of life, what what humans would think of life. That's why there's such an issue there. It certainly is possible, and you could see. Things like the Gauna clone of Hoshijiro and the uh, Crimson Hawk Moth looking like her mm-hmm. as sort of maybe like rudimentary attempts to communicate with humanity. Very true. Yeah. 
and it could just be that they are an existence that's so advanced alien that are just utterly indecipherable by humans which leads me to my question um in the end do you really care what they are does it make a difference not really you know if they if they ended up just being space monsters that have to be dealt with because they're just space monsters and not some deep thing is that okay well, I'm not obsessed with the mystery behind them, but I do find them interesting for one reason, and that I think that there is going to be communication between them and the humans at one point. I think that is the resolution to all of this, is that they're able to communicate with each other and hopefully be able to go on their own separate paths and not have to worry about conflicting with each other again, because I don't see how they can wipe them all out. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> Those, they keep coming back. The way they multiply, they're like cockroaches, man. They will continue to hound humanity until they can find some way to to to, to, to find some kind of peace between them. So, yeah, that's the one aspect of the show, I think, that, that has me hooked. But what I, if they turn out to just be literally space cockroaches that shit. never go away, oh. can never be defeated, mm. and in the end, it's just a war of attrition that's going to keep wearing Sidonia down for however many more years, decades, or centuries they can last? That's a dark-ass finale, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, it could be. I, I'll be honest with you. I kind of don't really care what. It wouldn't bother me if they end up not. If they just kind of end up being that way, because mm-hmm. in a way, maybe it's got something to do with these Hagus particle things. Maybe it's one of these situations, like if they, if the humans find a different power source than the Hagus particles, maybe the Ghana will leave them alone. I don't know, but it almost seems like yeah, they are kind of like space cockroaches and. You know, there's nothing – I'm not invested with them and you just see them as this kind of – this ongoing threat that you're just – they're just trying to adapt to and destroy. But yeah, maybe it does come to a point where they just – they have no – they can't do it. I I don't know. And and that in itself is also like most PETA because humans use HBT as a power source, not protoculture, Mm -hmm. which the inbit can detect. And anytime they're being attacked, they have to turn off their machines or ditch their fuel because the inbit can sense the HBT. Absolutely. So I'm really not too invested in what the Ghana are, Mm -hmm. except for that I really don't want them to be messed up humans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've seen that in other shows. Yeah. We've yeah. seen that in you know in Gargantia most recently, and that would just be kind of a tired cliche thing. So if they just end up being space monster cockroaches that never go away and are just a force of nature that must be dealt with, yeah, I'm completely okay with that. I don't need some super deep explanation for what they are. The series yeah, does borrow a lot from other series, though, so it might, it, it might just be... Because it is such a cop-out sometimes when these when these unstoppable f- alien forces just end up being, you know, some offshoot or, like you said, uh, some previous human exploration down the ways that uh, were mutated or something like that. It's just... It, 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 you know, it, it, it does kind of put, oh, man, you know, you always wonder what are the dangers in space? Well, you know, this, this kind of shows you that. And like you said, I, I'm not that invested in them either because really we haven't seen them outside of uh, a simulating like Hoshijiro and a few things like that where they're really nothing more than just this unstoppable natural force that happens within space. So I don't know. Yeah, please don't go with it. <laughs> yeah, and and third season, a lot less penis chan. Oh, oh, you already know. They already make it. They probably make plushies of penis chan. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> Woo. 
model kits of Penis Chan confirmed. Sweet. Pre-order on HLJ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, closing thoughts, Solbro, on the first two seasons. Do you... Do you feel uh, compelled to jump ahead and read the manga or wait out for the presumable season three next year? The the thing that makes me want to read the manga is the stuff they left out of the show. So I, I wouldn't mind picking up the manga, uh, being that it's out here. I didn't even realize that Vertical was printing it. So that is definitely uh, – and it, it's, it's – uh, Tis, tis was specifically mentioned by Ed Chavez when we had him yeah. on the show a zillion years ago. That was right, yeah. but it was so long ago that I, I forgot that uh, that they brought it out here. My bad. Don't you follow their Twitter when when you see that they post stuff other than Gundam: The Origin? I do. They talk I, about Sidonia. I, 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 <laughs> apparently, you didn't see all of those posts they've had uh, for the years about Sidonia. Well, let, let and all of the uh, Tumblr asks that they've had about Sidonia. Well, shout outs to Vertical for printing that, and I am definitely intrigued on picking up the manga so uh i i, uh, I will definitely uh, hunt it down and check that out and i'm hyped for season three uh, hopefully it does get announced and comes out and then we get to see a resolution uh, is it, it, there's probably no guarantee that season three will be the last season either if they decide to uh i guess uh stretch I, out i think uh it would be because uh mm, yeah. just looking at the chapter titles of where season two leaves off and what's left mm-hmm. there's probably enough for a season three but not much more because keep oh, in mind it's not the, a long run in one it's not a long run yeah and the manga ends next month i yeah. think it's going to be like 16 or 17 volumes total so it's not a show that they can drag on forever so i wouldn't expect yeah. more than a third season well, i really hope the manga ends well so that the show will end, end on song as well oh, that's not a guarantee yeah yeah that's true <laughs> but, well, fingers crossed <laughs> But uh, if I was to rate the show, um, well, we're not at that yet. Go go for it. Close up. Close on. At this point, no, I don't. I'm not interested in the manga. I kind of want to see what goes on with the anime first, mm-hmm. and then go and and see the manga because I don't want to be in the situation where it's like I've kind of seen half or maybe like sixty percent of what the story is, and then get it kind of kind of contaminated with the manga, and then maybe expect something different mm-hmm. with uh, with the with the third season. But um, yeah, I, I, I'll just wait. But I am interested in seeing the third season, though, because I'm wondering what they're going to do. And, uh, and I'm really hoping that the whole uh, nine episode snooze fest in season two was just <laughs> them trying to catch up to the or allowing the manga run to catch up to the to the anime. So so there is in Japan not available here. Uh, we should also mention that the first season has been released on DVD and Blu-ray by Sentai. Oh, right on. And they'll probably pick up season two, I would expect, at some point. Mm-hmm. There is a compilation movie for the first season that uh, I think has a few new scenes and apparently redone sound effects. So given the slog in the middle of season two, if they did, say, a good-length two-hour compilation movie yeah. for season two, do you think that would work better for you than... The TV yes. run, I, I think, yeah, especially if they make it uh, a definite focus of like the f- of episodes one through three, and pretty much like the second half of ten and the last two. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it would be good. Or you maybe have like a five minute thing of all the stupid things with Penis Chan. <laughs> that that I, I think I'd be cool with that. A whole lot of montages. Because <laughs> I, I I really think if you could if if there's a season that could actually turn of a show that could actually turn out better via uh the use of a compilation, compilation movie i think it's season two of knights of sidonia oh shit 
I, I gotta agree with that. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll cut to the chase on a lot of the uh, lovey dovey stuff and just get right to the uh, the major events that thrust that season forward. All right, so Sobro, give us your ratings on the first two seasons well, overall. On, well, on season one, my overall rating for that is four rice balls out of five. Yo, my man, my man, <laughs> Tadakazi loves some rice. Um, for season two, um, I would give it uh, three Jack Trippers out of fives. F- props to John Ritter. <laughs> so an average of what, three and a half? Yeah, three and a half so far. Neo, your ratings. Um, I'm going to have to give the two seasons together. Um, gosh, I'm wavering between two numbers. Season one's so good. Season two sucks for the most part. <laughs> But it's pretty good. Um, I'll give it a three. I am going to give the two seasons combined a rating of three and a half penis johns. There you go. Out of five. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do mine uh, th- three rice balls. Yo, I, I, I actually... Or, or, Cap- or Captain Hook Bears. <laughs> I'm waffling in between using, using Sabuki as the actual icon for the episode. <laughs> yeah. Hey... Uh, really whatever don't. works for you man oh my god because people who haven't seen the show it's a little shocking to see to see Sabugi at first it's like oh my god why does she look like a penis and uh then you well, get used well, to let's, it let's let's also say though she's also this she's this large weird looking gone a human hybrid mm-hmm. guard thing that happens to have a talking penis that yes. ha- happens to have a talk with tentacles a tentacle. arms. Yeah, it's, yeah it's a tentacle that looks like a penis with tentacle arms and that, that nobody's weirded out by at all not at all <laughs> that 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 walks through or that slithers through the ventilation system making weird sounds and at one point uh contorting herself to look like one of the other uh females so it's just a bizarre thing, and and, and nobody is creeped out by this penis. And also, when they go to visit her in the uh, Kunato lab, mm-hmm. no one at all seems to be bothered by just like the walls being caked with massive amounts of like gore and organic material that look like a yeah. splatfest from Dead Space. Yeah, it's just like death in there, and, right? And, like the lights being off, all creepy. Like I know, it's like I thought they were walking into a death trap or something. <laughs> Like, no, it's cool. It's ch- nothing suspicious here. Well, just chill. you also have to remember, this is a place where the only thing, uh, all the pilot suits are all dirty. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that's dirty, but everything else, all the regular suits are dirty or, or clean, but they always got to have, like, dirty pilot suits because I guess they're gritty. They're trying to they're trying to do that, that grit fest. But it, you can only do that with old alcoholic old men with mustaches. Ah, man. <laughs> Damn it. When are we gonna get that? When are we gonna get that mecha anime? Or just well, which, it ain't it ain't gonna be this one because nope, all no. the old people are young. I, yeah, I know. They're all, immortal. So except for that cool dude that runs the plomo store. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one. It shouldn't. It shouldn't really. The plomo and store the, guy uh, be immortal. The uh, the secondary mechanic guy. Yeah, we, we, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we call that, that old, we call that old man Mr. Bandai. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So I'm sure we'll follow up with this series again if there's a third season next year but in the meantime check it out on netflix i think it's available in all territories that netflix is in and if you're in north america you can pick up the first season from sentai so that's knights of sidonia uh no relation of course to the muse song of the same but different spelling i was waiting for you to say something about that (laughs) i had to somewhere yeah, I was like, I remember when I first saw this, I was like, wait a second, I've, 
That's a song. <laughs> but it's not. Who knows? Uh, Muse show up in Penis Jam. Oh, damn. <laughs> then, then, then I got a perfect score. It's on the cover of the next album. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to say, we got our new member, Penis Chan. He's going to be playing the keyboards. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> and we're out of here. Oh, yes. no. That's it for this segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> was just a dork who wanted to shoot lightning out of his hands like Gundam Ryu from Street Fighter. <laughs> so I waved my magic wand and brought this lightning bolt legend out to Hollywood, where the nerd always gets the girl. Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ, a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. We have a problem. We need to set up a perimeter. Who is this? Isn't this the coach of the baseball team? No, you have the wrong number. This is Shirley Douglas's residence. Really? Yes, I should know. She's my mother. Your mother? You still live with your mother? How old are you? I'm hanging up now. Kiefer, who was that? Damn it, Mom! I told you to knock before you come in!
welcome back to Gundam and MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 168, where we reviewed uh, both seasons, uh, seasons one and two, of Knights of Sidonia, uh, which you can definitely check out right now on Netflix streaming uh, in most regions. So give that show a, a nice whirl, and you also can pick it up on Blu-ray and DVD thanks to uh, uh, Sentai Filmworks as well. And before we close out this episode, you guys know what time it is. We, we didn't get to do it last time, but we're doing it now. It's the mailbag. Turn the mic over to the postmaster himself. Chris, take it away. All right, so you can leave us a message in the Make a Talk form. There's a mailbag drop box, and our first question comes from MCT Dread, who says, For the Empire, <laughs> which character in all of Mecha Anime deserves their own hour-long talk show to talk about anything? Hmm. Well, I think it clearly should be Geist, because he's the most dangerous talk show host. Once. And he'll welcome the guest on, and as soon as he asks the first question, they start to answer it, he'll kill them. Oh. <laughs> that, 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 wow, yeah. Freaking classic. After that first episode, it might be hard to book people, though. I would say. <laughs> so, no, but... Uh, but then, but then he would kill the network exactly when they want to cancel him. Exactly. More seriously, I would say uh, Durandal. Oh, that's easy. That's like talking do. mess, doesn't he? Yeah, well, it does. Because he uh, he likes to talk, and he's an interesting chap when he's not prattling on about his destiny plan, and of <laughs> course because of Kata. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, your selections. Well, my pick would probably be uh, the uh, the legend, the simulation champion, Patrick Colasar. He's uh he's 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 ridiculous. He's actually pretty funny. When it comes down to it, and he always uh, he's pretty self-effacing, although he doesn't mean to be. Um, so it'd be interesting to see him interact with people and uh, guest shitting on him, and him rebounding from that. Because he uh, at the end of the day, he always wins. <laughs> he survives. <laughs> so I just think he's got the the demeanor to do a talk show like that, uh, and he'd probably be better off at doing that than being a pilot. So I give my uh, my vote to Patrick Colasar from Double O. Well, I'd have to say, and I can even give you the network I'd put him on too. Oh shit. It's going to be Garen Zabi on Fox News right after Bill <laughs> O'Reilly. Wow. Woo, the rightest of wings. <laughs> Just saying. Inaugural guest, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump would be the, the, <laughs> the epic man to him is what it would be. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's a perfect fit, right? I mean... I can't argue. Not with that. <laughs> I'm going to take my first call. Kieran, you sound like this guy Hitler. Oh, well. <laughs> Hitler had to do what he had to do. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to kill that question. You're not done at the part. There you go. Speechless I am. <laughs> and I was like, I went all out on that one. Are you good? So, next question comes from Dagonim Lagan, who says, Oh, hi, guys. After I made some comparisons between G-Reco and some Ghibli works, I want to get some of your opinions on stuff regarding comparisons between fictional works themselves. Have any of you made any comparisons that more people have agreed, w- disagreed with than agreed? If so, what are some of those comparisons? Wow. Well, you know, when I have discussions with people, I generally don't keep statistics of how many disagreed versus agreed and i I doubt most of us do uh what i can point to as like a comment or criticism that more people seem to have disagreed with Mm -hmm. is that way back in the first episode review i did for double o i pointed out that i felt the mecha designs were a welcome change from 
Okawara's tired retreads, and I mentioned that he had spent basically the last 20 years just um, endlessly recycling the F-91 into different forms. (laughs) And this pissed off a lot of people. Wow. A lot of people. So that would probably be my answer for this one. I still believe it. Eight years later, you know, <laughs> best days are behind him. And honestly, go to MHQ, look up the F ninety one, open up some tabs in your browser, mm-hmm. look at all of the main Gundam designs that he's done since F ninety one, and tell me where you can uh, copy and paste the parts, including the uh, the red feet. And the uh, upside down triangles on knees that he just adores. Oh, he, he loves those. Oh, yeah, he, he does loves love those upside, upside down yeah. knee triangles, particularly oh. if they're yellow or red. Damn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do agree with you there. Yeah, it's that's almost that's that's almost become as big of a staple of a Gundam as the V fin. You know, is the upside down triangles on knees. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, your answers. Oh well, I mean, what what's the one thing that I've that I've said that people have disagreed with more than agreed? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, anything come on. regarding Michael Bay? Yeah, I'm not going any further on that one. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of sells itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know for me, uh, this one is the the glaring obvious one. Um, <laughs> when, when I uh, when I when I dared <laughs> when I dared compare the legend of King Arthur to uh, my, my my boy Saji Crossroad, I was a little ahead of myself, and <laughs> and yeah, um, that didn't work out all that well for me. So uh, in retrospect, uh, I I I don't regret it completely because it's made for comedy on the show but yeah um i still get shit for it to this day so uh, let me uh let me just uh let me let me just sit over here and keep my mouth shut <laughs> don't make any bold predictions like that ever again how about hey, that very rarely do you make an impression on people that's lasted what six years well no almost nine <laughs> Has it been that long? I, it's, we started in 07, and I, I made that comparison off the first set of reviews for Double O, which was, uh, I think that's the reason why we did Gundam in the first place. We uh, we did okay. that, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been wow. a long time. Doesn't, uh, doesn't King Arthur predate me? Yeah, I think it predates you by an episode or two. Yeah, yeah, it does. So it does. And then when you heard me talk about that, you were like, is this guy nuts? <laughs> And, and here, we, was, here we are. When he said it, but I didn't want to. I was just kind of like, okay, I didn't know where he was going with this. So it's I like was hopeful. And then it, it, did, it did like the whole thing. And then you finally get on, and you you just you know you know took care of the elephant in the room. It's like I saw sparks of the hero's talking? journey in him, and I, it's just, he just he just didn't follow through. So I mm-hmm. egg on my face. <laughs> Uh, question number two, what are some comparisons that you have heard that you disagree with or felt were completely wrong, such as the comparison between Pacific Rim and Evangelion? Hmm. Uh, I got two for you, pretty general. All right. Within the anime community, uh, I get a little tired when every single post-Ava show is dismissed as an Ava clone or an Ava uh, wannabe. Yeah. Even if you look at the plot and the characters and that's not the case, but people just, it's just the tired, lazy trope. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then outside of the anime community, that people just compare everything with Transformers. Or to me, the cardinal sin, call everything Transformers, which is unforgivable. (laughs) 
it couldn't be any different the, from, from most of the stuff that we watch when it comes to the comparisons to Transformers. It's, it's I, 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 that infuriates me too. But you know, and and I know someone say, oh, but you know, people don't know about mecha anime and blah de blah, and you can't blame them for that. It's like well, you know what I do mm-hmm. because you know you don't see a Ford Taurus and say, oh hey, look at that Porsche. Oh, yeah. exactly. They're both cars, but only one is a Porsche and one is not. So even if you're just some random muggle who doesn't know anything about <laughs> mecha anime and you see a robot, why would you assume that it just has to be a Transformer? Wouldn't you think maybe that it could just be some robot that you don't know anything about? Yeah. But Chris, yeah. I think I found a Transformer. Yeah. What? No. <laughs> it's Transformer. I found a Transformer in a movie theater. What? No. <laughs> I want to be a Transformer. I love Transformers. As long as they're not Vietnamese. Uh, oh, shit. Oh, Vietnamese. Oh. I don't like those. Get uh, away from me, Vietnamese Transformer. <laughs> but, man, um, I, I would. Uh, mine kind of goes into the same vein as uh, what you were saying, uh, but it has to do with um, movies. Uh, one of the biggest things I ran into uh, was when uh, Pacific Rim was coming out, and I was telling people about the movie, and people were thinking, "Oh, it's just more of that Transformers garbage." Um, and co- when they were comparing it to like the Michael Bay movies and stuff like that, and there was a ton of people who just didn't want to go see it because they thought they were in for the same thing as the the previous Transformers movies. And I was trying to tell them, it's like, no, this is something that's completely different. This is more in line with Godzilla than Transformers any 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 freaking day. Um, and I just think, I think that a lot of people had that impression of the movie when they saw the trailers and I, they couldn't be any more wrong. So, um, if anything, that's the one, that's, that's the one thing that comes to my mind. And it was very, it pissed me off fundamentally when, uh, when that movie was being marketed. Neil? Well, it's easy when people compare Michael Bay to a bad director and I say, no, <laughs> Yo, Michael Bay again. Uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Jesus. Of course. Of course. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, some of your st- uh, what you guys are talking about. But also, too, I think um, something now that's, I guess, kind of creeping up now is that, like, every movie franchise, and this, I guess, kind of goes in my thing, every movie that maybe has a sequel or something, now everything's going to be compared to a franchise that was prior to it or something. Like, everything now is becoming a franchise, and now it needs to be compared for like movies to do well, they're going to have to be a franchise to be compared to other franchises based on their success. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seems like we kind of have like a death of like standalone movies. So, well, I mean, when it comes to the movies that the studios are backing, yeah, uh, absolutely, because they, well, they want to franchise just, stuff out. But. I'm not talking about the studios. I'm just talking about people now too. If you listen to people, they're always talking about that too. It's like a movie can't be good unless there's going to be kind of like a trilogy out of it or something like that, because they're always comparing it to you know other trilogies. And, and things like that so i that's my thing that that unfortunately though has a long history too because i hear f- you know fans yeah. of various meta franchises yeah. like, well this franchise you know only made 300 million at the box office and the one that i like made 400 and they're buying yeah. into like hollywood hype like who who gives a shit how much something made you you like something because you like it yeah or or or, or it's a franchise because my oh, franchise has got three movies and my yours you know yours only has two or whatever it might be and it's just like you know, I, I does this matter yeah, yeah it's just it's just kind of a weird thing to me but yeah i mean at, at the end of the day uh you know I, i've got plenty of movies i've 
I've watched that didn't make shit for money <laughs> that I've enjoyed, and it doesn't have to be a franchise. But if they if people are starting to think like that, they need to they need to fi- recalibrate themselves because there's a lot of good movies out there. Just need, they just need to look for them. Not everything has to be a franchise or um or based on the IP or some stuff like that. All right. So next up. We have Fear Junkie, who says, Since the Super Best Friends has recently wrapped up their second Mecha Week, I thought it would be fitting <laughs> to do a Mecha Video Game Lightning Round. Ooh. Number one, Hawken or Titanfall? Titanfall. I play more Titanfall than Hawken, so I'd probably have to go with that. And say Titanfall. Front Mission or Super Robot Wars? Oh, SRW all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's less complicated. Xenogears or Zone of the Enders? Oh, Zone, Zone of the Enders. Yeah. Zone of the Enders. Mech Warrior or Armored Core? Armored Core, man. Hell yeah. Push. Push? Damn. <laughs> you got to make a choice, man. Come on. Nah, I'm pushing. Nah, man. Nah, so man. He didn't say I can't. Why you bailing, man? Why you Why you bailing? Because <laughs> both I'd rather do... I'd rather watch paint dry and do both. All right, well, when I push next time, I'm gonna remember this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you didn't put in the rules. I, Ro- Robotech. I mean, Mech Warrior. I mean, oh shit! No, <laughs> I've not really played enough of either to. Every time I look at them, they seem too complicated. It's like like Front Mission. It's like you got to do all this stuff, and it's mm-hmm. like makes it. To, I just want to go out and battle with my giant robot. I. I I don't need to do all the mechanical stuff on it. You can tweak a little bit, but it's way too super detailed. I like simplicity. There you go. I got nothing, so there move you go. on. Next up, we have uh, Saber, who says, a serious and not-so-serious question. Ooh. Number one, and this one has uh, an A and a B. Mm-hmm. During the final battle of the Double O movie, the elves begin to merge together to form mobile suits while the larger probes take the form of cruisers. What do you think is the reason they decided to change their physical state in this encounter? Personally, I have two theories on this. A. With the celestial being ship having just punched a hole through the elves' main sphere, the elves actually started perceiving humanity as a threat and transformed to increase their comic capabilities. B. The elves' hive mind considered the possibility that the unknown race they encountered was actually attempting to communicate with them by sending these colorful particle beams their way, just like how the elves normally achieved understanding through assimilation. They reasoned that if they imitated the other species' way of interacting with them, they may actually be able to talk to them. What do you think of these theories, and how intelligent do you consider the else in general? I mean, either one could be plausible, and yes. since the else are just so foreign and alien and imperceptible, as we sort of alluded to in comparing it to Sidonia, it could be either, neither, and how intelligent they are is not something that I would guess, because they're just that alien i mean they, they look to simulate uh societies that they come in contact with so i, I look at them like a just a weird version of the borg maybe that was their way of uh communicating with humans by kind of intimidating them with uh with but making their their forces look like uh, cruisers and whatnot because that's what the humans had you know and to kind of be a show of force of some kind honestly uh I can't gauge their intelligence, but I'm assuming they probably have come in contact with a lot of species and absorbed them into their being. Um, and maybe they have a combined intelligence from all of that, so who knows? Um, yeah, either theory is plausible. I think it was just they took shapes that the humans were, you know, the human beings had that they would recognize, and that's probably it. And based on their intelligence, uh, you know, there's some in there, and it might be in a way that we don't know, because it's just what I've always felt about with the L's is they are just so beyond what we think of life so there you go 
All right. Next up is Fear Junkie, who has a question for Neo. Ooh. Mm. Is I have no mouth and I must scream in the tomes. It's a short story and also a point and click game that features the scariest rogue AI ever written, the Allied Master Computer, aka AM. Give it a read and realize that there's worse things than the robots ripping your face off. Fun fact that hate, let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. Quote I submitted for the old timey is a quote from am uh, i have not read it it's a very famous short story by yeah, I've read sci-fi it writer harlan ellison sure and is. it was turned into an old-timey game in the 90s um i read a little bit about it and it sounds pretty messed up so i think i would say it's tone worthy yeah i mean um i'm not gonna completely put it in there yet i, I still have to vet it but um you know once i have that chance to do it and and it and it is as frightening and provides a way of defeating the robot oppressors because that's one of the other things that the, the tomes do is they not only predict what the robots are going to do to us, but it shows us ways as brave humans to defeat the robo oppressors. <laughs> but I, I will give it a read. All right. Next up is Yokozuna Bulldozer who says, Howdy. Ooh. Number one, what is your Tamino name? Example would be Turbo Brocken, the descendant of Turbo from Break In and Break In 2 Electric Boogaloo. Hmm. My Tamino name, huh? <laughs> My Tamino name is Pyrex Sprocket. <laughs> I'm looking at things in my kitchen. <laughs> Neil? I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's like thinking my- of your, what your porno name is going to be. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Just look around actually, your house. I, I, actually, I think that would probably be easier. <laughs> oh, my God. I... I I, I don't know. Um, Lysol Henderson? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm actually trying to, actually trying to, trying to <laughs> figure this out right now. Um, power cool. <laughs> you look at your air conditioning? Yeah, I'm looking at my fan. Power cool. I'm going to say fist maneuver. <laughs> oh. <laughs> to me, no name... Or porno name. Woo, I think you got both stopped. there. Who knew? <laughs> Two. If the SD Gundam franchise did SD Gundam lethal weapon in the vein of Sangoku Den, which mobile suit <laughs> would be who? Joe Pesci, Danny Glover, Mel Gibson are mandatory. What? <laughs> well, Mel Gibson would probably be the methist because he's always getting broken, right? I mean, you'd always have to knock stuff back into place. But he he's also like super crazy so i feel like it should be a super crazy person's oh that's true too yeah maybe like a cyber new type oh okay yeah yeah like um oh gosh uh well joe joe pesci would definitely be I'm the gonna maxter say, I'm, I'm gonna say that mel gibson is bound doc ba- wow yeah bound doc yeah <laughs> there you I, go I, yeah i'm I'll, gonna say danny glover is uh oh the titan color gundam mark ii da- danny glover <laughs> really? is is the oh. RX-78 run down, tired, yeah. old for this shit. Oh, yeah. my God. That's it. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, and then the Joe Pesci needs to be something that's uh, feisty and small. What's that What's that suit that uh, Soshi and uh, Soshi uses in Turn A Gundam? The, uh, the Kapool. The Kapool. Oh, there you go. You're going to do that to Joe Pesci? Oh, yeah, though? man. He, the, the, when the Kapool gets close to somebody, it's lethal as hell, man. I expect the Kapool to use a blunt object like the red Kapool that that one new type cat used. He has that big ass club, yo. That- <laughs> hey, whatever you need, Leo gets. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my god, 
but yeah, that, that's Joe Pesci all day. All right. All right. So number three, who would win a guitar battle? Basara or uh, Mad Max Fury Road guitar dude? You mean the Doof Warrior? Yo, that's that's the Doof Warrior all day. I put my money on that guy. That guy's so metal, it's ridiculous. You can never be that metal. <laughs> yeah, but but Basara beat an alien life form. Hey man. Hey man. But Basara, he plays that he plays the same song over and over and over and over. But but do for it's, it's not 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 his problem that he's stuck in a marketing loop. Hey. <laughs> Doof Warrior's repertoire is incredible. He plays and never stops playing unless he takes a nap and he gets up and plays no matter the, no matter the circumstance. I, I, my, I back his play. I do. You know, on the one hand, controlling uh, transforming Mecha with a guitar is pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. On the other, guitar that shoots fire. Yeah. But guitar that shoots fire. Simplicity. But you know what though? But if you got if you got control if you got guitar that controls Mecha. That shoots stuff, even though his really didn't shoot anything. But I mean, that's that's something you could do too. But he doesn't. I know. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Basra. Well, damn. All right. And our final question tonight comes from Zero the Mass Knight, who's hitting us with a nice, uh, a nice little uh, lightning round. Oh, cool. Mm. Ice cream or gelatin? Ice cream. Ice cream all Ice cream. day. Toast or mashed potatoes? Ooh, huh? toast. Mashed yeah, potatoes. Probably, yeah, mashed potatoes, yeah. All right. Asian dragon or European dragon? Oh, European dragon all day. Oh, yeah. NASA Asian dragon all day. They're, they're much oh, cooler. They're no. much cooler. Come on now. No, come on. Nah, European sad. dragons like the baby dragons, man. Oh. Baby dragon. How badass are the baby dragons? Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> watched- Just like Asian dragon because it grants you a wish. Hey, man, I've seen enough... Uh- <laughs> I've seen oh, enough Asian yeah. lore. I, I I think that Asian dragons yeah, are at least with European dragon, mm-hmm. you can ride it. If you're badass enough, the dragon will let you ride it. Then you can go around shooting fire at people. Yo, for- oh, and- forgive yeah, me if I want to collect the Dragon all Balls. All right. <laughs> Good luck on that. that. That's that. That's a that's a fool's errand. You're always doing that. Hey, there you go. Want to roast jokers? <laughs> I'm gonna say European dragon and then Ooh, move on. Terrible. Destiny or Voyager? Ooh. Ooh. Voyager. I'm gonna say destiny, destiny because it's shorter. mercifully shorter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh damn! Yeah, <laughs> and it started out pretty well. Followed by age or enterprise. Oh shit! I'm gonna say enterprise because yeah. the third and fourth seasons were okay. enjoyable. Yeah, I'll go with enterprise too. Honestly, uh, Saito or Neil Delandy, no dynamis. Ooh. I guess Saito from Ghost in the Shell, the sniper dude? Yes, that's Saito. Ooh. Oh, shit, that's a good one. I'm going to say uh, Saito because, Saito. you know, yeah. he managed to not die. Yeah. <laughs> and Saito also has that, uh, he has that um, cybernetic eye, too. So yes. I think he has yeah, the... Uh, Neil's got Haro. Yeah, but he doesn't, I mean... It says no dynamis. No dynamis, so he's going to be outside oh. with the sniper rifle. Doesn't so. mean that you can't have Haro, though. I guess. <laughs> Haro could be his, his his companion saying, okay, the wind's coming out the northeast. If it's an enemy at the gate situation, it's Saito for me. <laughs> so it's, no mobile suits involved, just like raw raw, raw rifle and having to use your eye, eye line in order to, to start target your uh, enemy. Saito's got every advantage in the book. Which leads us to the next one. The Major or Seven of Nine? Ooh. Major. Yeah, I'm going with the Major. I'm going to say the major, especially if you want to ask her the Idris Elba question about androids. (laughs) There you go. 
Which leads us to the next question. James Gordon or Daisuke Aramaki? Oh, shit. He's got great hair. Yeah, I'm about to go with... I probably have to go with Chibi... Uh, Chibi Hayachi, you know, man. I got, I got the thing it. about Aramaki, too, is he's, he, he knows how to delegate. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and he keeps his ass safe. Hell he knows how to delegate. James Gordon... He's a little too gung ho. Yeah, tell me about it. And then, and then Gotham kind of messed and up James Gordon for me. Here's the other thing about James Gordon. Uh huh. He lets some creepy mask dude sneak up on him all the damn time. Yeah, what kind of cop is that? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta know your surroundings, son. Oh, my exactly. God. Exactly. Yeah. If the Gotham PD was effective, I'd go with James Gordon. Some, uh, uh, Section 9 is very effective. So, our Maki. Our Maki face wins. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kenji Kawai or Yoko Kano? There is no oh, contest. <laughs> there, is, there is a little bit of a contest, no. but I'm still going to say Yoko Kano. I like Kawai, but Kano has, has pumped out so many good soundtracks. I, uh, more, more, more so soundtracks. has Kawai. Kawai has yeah. too, but m- uh, out, of, out of my ability to listen to them straight, I'd say more Kano, Kano soundtracks I can listen to straight with no interruption. Oh, Kawhi from the can't stay Radio there. Network? Uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> As much as I like Kawhi, Kano seems to have just shown more versatility. Yeah. Yeah. By attacking every single genre. Yep. Haven't seen Kawhi do that. Uh, Double O Haro, Tachikoma, or R2? R2 with the jetpacks. I'm going to go with Tachikoma. I'm going to go with R2. Oh, yeah, he's the most faithful little robot buddy you could ever ask for. Exactly, yeah. and and he can hold his own, man. He can. He's also he mean spirited as hell. He went after not as mean spirited as uh, oh, as Chopper, dumbass Chopper. Oh god, yeah. I wish I would just eject him out of the fuck freaking airlock. The way he did to that one Imperial droid. Yeah. <laughs> Ruthless. Okay, here's a tough one. Real Kirk, whatever that means, or Bright. I, I guess he must mean Shatner. Yeah, Shatner, of course. Not Pine. Yeah, Real Kirk. He became Admiral. Man, I am torn. He became Admiral. He stole a starship to go do what he needed to do, blew it up, came back, with, and then saved the planet again, and still kept his job. He got demoted. Oh, but yeah. He still kept his job, and he is legendary. Bright, after about, you know, double Zeta. Wanted to go home. <laughs> Unicorn, he's just, you could tell he still wants to get, why, why, when am I going to hit 30 years? <laughs> oh, wow. You know, it, it's, it's hard because uh, these two men, for all their accomplishments, also have two very notable failures, which in each case is screw-up sons. Yeah, yeah, that is true. They're I, very much alike on that. Holy yeah. shit. And what, uh, probably have to go with Kirk, though. Yeah, yeah. Kirk is so legendary, man. I'll I'll go with Bright because I, I got I got to back the underdog on this one. I, I if anything, uh, I I I I've seen Bright. That's really what you think, though, or are you just doing this just to be contrarian? No, not not. I'm, I'm never contrarian, but uh, I honestly I have more of a connection to Bright than I do Kirk. So um, I will definitely go with Bright. I just I've I seen can't it, so. believe <laughs> you picked Bright. <laughs> I'm seeing Bright struggle hey. more. Hey, when do when are we gonna have a Star Trek Deadpool? Between Shatner, Sulu, and who's left? I'm gonna pass on that. <laughs> who's the next one to go on this? Oh my god! I, will I think Kirk lives, outlives them all. I hope they live forever, <laughs> like like Stanley. <laughs> yeah, really. So we have next your choice of game peripheral to control a giant robot. I'm gonna say an NES advantage because 
If it's good <laughs> enough for the Ghostbusters to use to control the Statue of Liberty, oh yeah, it's good enough for me. God damn, <laughs> that's a good one. I'm gonna go retro myself, but I'm gonna go with the power glove, one on each hand, and uh, be able to use that one. But, to- but they're useless. <laughs> One I guess it's not surprising given you and your men. Hey, listen, listen man. <laughs> you have co- D- DK with a power glove? Before- oh, ah. I got it dirty. Oh. <laughs> I just crapped myself. Oh. I'll go find why, that. Why isn't my index figure working? Oh, it's got poopy on it. Oh. I'll go find that kid from The Wizard and he'll teach me his, his mystical ways and how to control the power glove. Before no, I this get is easy, that. man. Game peripheral. Mm-hmm. Remember that game Steel Battalion where you had that whole thing with the oh, mecha thing? Jesus. <laughs> There you go, son. Oh my God! That... Out, out the box in the robot. I'm good to go. Does <laughs> uh, Bonds of the Battlefield count as a game peripheral or just the game? Uh, <laughs> hey, that cockpit's not too bad. That would it, 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 there's it is an interface of some sort. So you might want you might you might be able to pick that one. Either that or the Forza or the Forza wheel with the pedals. What? <laughs> you never saw that the I... Forza racing wheel that's got the the pedals. Yeah, I've seen too. that. I think Show yeah. has actually has yeah. that. Yeah. What what about uh, those crazy Microsoft Flight Simulator sticks? Oh yeah, those would be cool too. Yeah, I forgot about those. <laughs> what about Robbie? What was it? What was his name? Robbie Rob, the robot. Rob the robot. Rob the robot. <laughs> Rob the robot. Yeah. <laughs> to control a robot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might. <laughs> I, I just saw a picture earlier tonight of Rob the robot playing Virtual Boy. So anything is possible. Oh shit! Look oh, at remember that. the yeah? Remember that red thing that you would that um. Uh, the the VR system for the Nintendo oh, back the Nintendo in the- Virtual Boy, yeah, that's Virtual, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I think it was terrible. <laughs> Goodbye, eyesight, Jesus. And lastly, would you rather have an immortal, ageless body, or have your consciousness wander the internet forever? Oh. Who the hell would want the latter? That's <laughs> what I'm saying, dude. I want to yeah. be the freaking Highlander. You can't even guarantee yeah. the internet's going to be around forever. <laughs> <laughs> the power goes out, you're screwed. Yeah, we have a post-apocalypse imagine, situation. Yeah, imagine the po- the pop-ups yeah. if you're in the internet all the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's not good, man. Uh, a mortal imagine ageless if body. You wander into 4chan or, or some of the CD. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, you end up lost in the dark net. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to go to these places. No, call, call me Highlander on this one. The, the, the net enemy vast and infinite doesn't mean you want to go everywhere. Exactly. And if I'm immortal and ageless, then I can fight the robot oppressors when they raise when they come after us and be the shining beacon for all humans. <laughs> there you go. Can't do that on the internet. Mm-hmm. Got to stay unconnected, man. Forget forget that technology yeah. shit. <laughs> well, you know, I'm like the admiral. Mm-hmm. I am. I use technology. Use computers, but I just don't network. There you go. Lessons to be learned. Yeah, it worked for him, didn't it? It did. Saved the whole, saved the freaking human race. Made us. No, maglite at the side. Yeah. <laughs> maglite in every room. Hell yeah. Is that it, Chris? All right. That that is it for the mailbag. So I will hand it back to you, Soul Bro, to close us out. Thank you, sir. Before we close the episode out, any uh, anything else you guys wanted to bring up at all? No. Whoa, shit. Well, if you guys have time, make sure to check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, 
Look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that is it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. The young siblings have fled to Earth, and there the pair find waiting for them. Artesia, wake up! We have to go! Did you have Jimbara killed? Yet, you failed to take care of the other two. What in the world is that thing? It is going to crush the Federation. A fateful encounter with a young man. Hi, I'm Edouard Moss. And I'm Shar Osnabal. He looks just like Edouard. It's just so unfair. It's so sad. The Raw family. They're hardly relevant anymore. Artesia, it's mother, she's... I beg you! Please, you can't leave me, brother! Mobile Suit Gundam, The Origin. Artesia's Sorrow. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Sir? What? Are we being too literal? No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to calm the desert, so we're calming it. Found anything yet? Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir! What about you guys? We ain't found shit!